Smoking Guns Podcast. Philip Higginbotham, Leo Yamas, R.C. Woods, hanging out with you and talking about football in San Antonio. We are a football podcast. We deal with professional football in San Antonio, centered around the San Antonio Brahmas of the XFL. Yeah, that's it for this week. No, we also cover the San Antonio Gunslingers of the NAL. We will talk briefly about them today, but this is going to be a heavy, heavy XFL show because... I wonder why. We just had a game. <laughs> yep, that's lots, right. Lots and of we cover. had a great time at the game, and we made friends at the game, and we're going to bring one of those friends on right away. Uh, he wasn't new. We didn't We didn't not know this guy before the game. Uh, unfortunately, we've known him. For, I mean, fortunately, we've known him for a while. I'm sorry, Dirty. I didn't mean... Uh, he is part of the X-Fan Show and the X-Fan Legion. We are proud to be partnering with them on a lot of different things. Uh, his name is Dirty. He hosts all kinds of stuff, and he is with us today. Dirty, our, what's going on, man? Our uh, frenemy. Uh, a 14-hour drive. <laughs> uh, I'm still a little drove instead of being jet log how would you say it drive logged drive still a little drive log but uh I, I look how much red bull did you drink <laughs> uh let's see let's see i had three three five hour energy drinks and four energy drinks on top of that dirty i completely you understand you're the pain, only man. one driving no, uh, Dave drove for like two hours and then they stopped at uh, in and out and then they went into a food coma and then <laughs> I drove the rest of the way. But I, fully, I rewatched all the games, so. I fully understand your pain. I had to drive back home yesterday too. I did not get home until like 9.30. So I understand. I understand your pain. <laughs> I get it. Uh, I drove all the way back down here to the coast. Didn't get here till 9.30. Uh uh, 7.30, 7.32 this morning is when I got home. Yikes. Uh, but you did the right thing, and you texted everybody. You let us know that you got I there did. safe. That's yeah, the way you're supposed that. to do it. Yeah. Thank um, you. So you and Amanda came down. Y'all are the B-Hawk live show. Yes. You covered the Battle Hawks, the Battle Chickens. There you go. You- well, listen. If I'm not mistaken, I think I got a few of you guys to say, what was that? Is call is the law in San Antonio. Not here. No. Not here. No. No, sir. Yes, but yes, our battle chickens came down there, and uh, I don't know how, but we pulled a win out of our We're going to talk about how. Like, we're going to talk about that in our second segment, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit. So you've been there in 2020. You were there in St. Louis for... Uh, the Battle Hawks and your tailgating and all of those things. Mm-hmm. You also came down this week, stopped off in Arlington and went to the game, the Arlington and Vegas game. You did that um, yep. uh, tailgate and then you did our tailgate. And you seem to say that when it comes to tailgating, San Antonio has got it figured out. Am I wrong? Uh, no, listen, I, I what I, what I got to say is, you know, the, what, the way you guys have embraced your guys' team down there and everything in San Antonio is kind of like what we did here in 2020. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you guys just took to it. You took to it. You just started to – you fell in love with this team. And the way that you guys just basically overtook your market as the show and the, getting the fans involved 
was just unbelievable. And that's what we did here in 2020. We did the grassroots movement just like you guys did down there. And we, when we started the show in, in 2018, we knew that local media wasn't going to cover the Battle Hawks because right. we just lost the, rain, the lambs and all that. Same with you guys with losing the commanders from that defunct uh, – What's that guy's name? Charlie's League. You know, that guy who ripped everybody off, right? So, Tom Dundon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, him, the, yeah that guy. The, the Dundonator. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, you guys did a grassroots movement. So, like, when twenty when uh, XFL3 came out, I started reaching out. Now, if this was in 2020, I would be blasting you guys trying to destroy, destroy you guys, right? You know, saying, hey, no, they're not the podcast. Don't listen to them. Only listen to us, right? right. But I realized... This time it's about growing the fan bases all across the XFL because sure. you just yeah. can't have one, two fan bases do everything like we'd had right. in 2020. So I started reaching out to other people in other cities. And uh, I think I got in touch with you guys through Jason Leroy. He put me in touch with RC first. Mm-hmm. We had RC on about the Brahma Mamas. And then that's how I met Leo. And that's how I met you, Phil. And so that's how we did it. And that's how I've done it. And that's how I've been doing it. That's well, not just me, but Arlington. That's how we've been doing right. it is growing the fan bases and the connections. But yeah, I mean, you guys are unbelievable. Like, look, you notice my, my studio has still a bunch of Battlehawk stuff, right? It right. does. Look, I didn't unpack. My, my hats that I had with me, but I do got to say something. I do have some new. I have <laughs> There you go. To put back right it. here. Wait, it gets better for you. Are you ready? Yeah. You ready? I was waiting for this. I have to say, here's the nice, nice. flag nice. rally towels. I don't know how I'm going to do that one just yet, but I'll figure it out somewhere, right? But I do got to give credit to my man, uh, the dirty the dirty Toro that I helped name for you guys. Okay. He gave me something and I'm actually quite honored that it was given to me. And I will proudly represent this in my studio is this. So I got to stand up and do it. So let's see, here we go. Woo. Wow. I got, I mean, That's awesome. Yeah. I just got to figure out how to fit it into my studio. Cause it's going to take everything. It's going to take cover, up the entire space up. Cover just up that battle hop stuff. Yeah, back stuff there. yeah. Yeah. You don't need that. Yeah, no. Uh, Full size Brahma flag for Dirty yes. in his studio. Those of you that are listening and going, I can't see it. I can't see it. We're telling you. Here, I'll uh, show you again. You ready? Here it is. Yeah, but if they're listening tomorrow, oh, yeah. they can't see this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. I'm an idiot. <laughs> My bad. Uh, there it is. The first, u- first use of the word idiot. Um, I use that a lot down there for the St. Louis fans, didn't I? <laughs> you use it a lot everywhere, Dirty. Let's be fair. And so, look, I, do, be honest. I am rocking my Rock the Dome shirt. Sure. But what I really should do is what I, I honestly think you guys should take this. And, you know, I know I called I know I called what I called your dome, but I'm not going to call it that on your guys' show out of respect to you guys. But you guys should take this shirt and – Whatever you guys say, because you guys rocked your dome. I mean, I will say this. Your guys is 24, is it 24, 250, right? Yes. Yeah. Was lo- was just as loud as the 29,000 that we had in the dome in 2020. You guys were literally that loud. I mean, yeah. it was unbelievable. Like me and Amanda and Dave were talking about, we're like, they're louder than we were in 2020. And we had 5,000 more people than they did. I mean, wow. it was just un- unreal how you guys were, man. Unreal. Big kudos to you guys. Well, so I will you- 
I will touch about the loudness. So some of you might know that um, I know Jared Jones-Smith from the Commanders. He was in town, so I met up with him. And he told me that he told his team, look, it gets super loud. We have to take the lead right away because if we wait till the end, we're going to lose it. So he was already telling the team that it gets so loud there in the dome. Yeah. Boy, was he wrong, though. Yeah. Take that lead early. That's the only way you're going to win. Take that lead early. Or yeah, the for those of you, seconds. For those of you that don't know, Jared Jones-Smith, current uh, offensive lineman, he plays tackle for the uh, uh, the Battlehawks. He is oh. – uh, yeah, for the Battlehawks. He, he he was the uh, he was a starting tackle for the uh, commanders in that previous league. So that's how he knew from experience how crazy we can get in La Casa, as we're that's calling right. it La now. Casa. Because, there you go. Yeah, Rock, Rock La, Casa. La Casa. Rock La Casa. Yeah. Rock the La Casa. That's what you guys should do. Rock the La Casa. I like shirt. it. I like it. I think that would be great. So you got a chance to see uh, Arlington – and what they put out there, the very first game of XFL 3.0. Um, what was your impression up there in the Dallas, in the Metroplex, in that area? Oh, look, I, I don't, I don't want to bash Dallas because that's not what this is about. But right. 2020, the Dallas tailgating experience was so much better than this version this time. Uh, like. You guys, you guys have been to Arlington, Texas, right? Have you guys oh, been yeah. Yeah. that way? Okay. So you know where they have the Texas live at, right? Or the yes. Texas symbol mm-hmm. where you do the X. Like that whole area had nothing but bounce houses and it was blocked off for people to do tailgating stuff for like the kids. Like nothing. That, that entire area was empty. I mean, I, I was really, I mean, Jimmy over there with the Renegades did a great job for what he, what he got there. But as a whole, it just wasn't nothing like it was in 2020. Mm-hmm. Nothing like it was in 2020. I was really disappointed about that. In 2020, you, you made it there for to Arlington for two Choctaw for some of the 2020 games. Is that right? I was there for the battle Hawks and the running, uh, the renegades game. Yes. So tell me, did they block off that first 15 rows like they did in 2020 <laughs> this time? No, so here's why they did it this time, right? That is where the ESPN camera was. Okay. Okay. So that's why the first 15 rows were blocked off, uh, because they had their in the the crane that moved around through there. Right. That's why that area was blocked off because a lot of people were complaining is like when the TV boom runs across, they're like, "Oh, I can't see, I can't see." So they didn't want to do that problem. So that's why it was blocked off like that this time it lo- around. It, it looks, looks bad, bad on TV. On TV, yeah. But it looks here, bad. Here's what you got to realize. Are we, are, I mean, you know, with the USFL, we saw what the USFL did, right? And how their ratings were the way they were, right? In their hub cities. But are they really going for the TV product? Or are we just standbys in a TV show? And they want to make it look full where the cameras are. Right. That's what you got to ask yourself. Me, I'm going to lean more towards the laters that we're just extras in a TV production. True, but they could put like little seat covers that say, um, you know, and that way people will know why it's empty. You know what I mean? You like how in church they have the little reserve signs and you know, okay, oh, I can't sit here, right? If they did that, that would at least explain why it looks so empty. Or do a green screen and then they could put advertising over there like progressive. 
or yeah, like they, there you go. Like they do in your favorite um, professional sports league, the NHL. They do that now with uh, the the dasher boards all around the NHL. I'm gonna change that so early for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to talk about pregame sort of stuff, but before we even talk about Sunday uh-huh. or Saturday. I want to talk a little bit about um, the Player 54 uh, show that ESPN has put together. Did you get a chance to watch the first episode, Dirty? I, I did, and uh, I actually liked it. Uh, it was very good. I like the way they're doing it. And if you had listened to – can we just give, like, cheap plugs to other people? Absolutely. Yeah. To Mark Perry over there at News Hub, he had uh, – he had uh, Dean, the guy who, or the guy from the NFL Players Academy, and they had talked about that. They'd been filming this for nine months, right? Right. So this has been fi- going for nine months, and I really liked the way it looked. I liked the way they did it and, and the way they showed everything. And it, it's really going to get us to know some of our players that we're yeah. going to get to know, and that's what I'm really excited about. Um, I mean, the first two guys I didn't watch episode two yet, which is already out. But they did. They 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 focused on the kid from Houston, the cornerback from Houston. Mm-hmm. Which funny story? Do you guys know how that kid got there? No, I know he was living no. in his car for a while, yeah. but I don't not know just, how he wound up in Houston. Not just living in his car. The kid was door dashing. He door dashed to get to the tryout. Then didn't have enough money to stay in the hotel and had to go back out and door dash again to get more money to pay it to stay in his hotel. So this kid was sleeping in his car, door dashing, just to get this opportunity. He made the team, and now he is the starting cornerback for the Houston Roughnecks, which I thought that was absolutely – like, I wish they had talked about that, but they didn't. So mm-hmm. that's where it's really going to be interesting is the players that we get to see and stuff like that. Uh, like, you guys – like, I know I can see one of my buddies is on here, the good doctor – you know, his guy from uh, Notre Dame, your guys' quarterback, who actually played. I, I was looking at your guys' page today. I think a lot of your fans are being unfair to Jake Kuhn. I think they're being a lot unfair to him. He did play better. He did play better oh. than Jay McCarron until the last minute and a half. Uh, but, like, it would be great to hear his story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, I mean – like the running back you guys had that just bowled us over. Like mm-hmm. we couldn't stop. Balage. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Like Balage. It'd be great to hear his story. So I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing those stories. Cohen's line for yesterday was 25 for 36, 207 mm-hmm. yards, one touchdown, one interception. And I went through the first half and like a series so far, just writing down on my little pad here, four drops. Yeah. Yeah. Big drops got, too. He, Big he time. got the ball to the receiver. They just dropped it. So you add those in, and it's twenty nine of thirty six for two hundred and mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. yards, and like, another touchdown. He did yeah. just fine. Oh, I agree. And it, like, if you looked at McCarron's numbers up until that point, right? Oh, there she is. There's the lovely Amanda. Amanda checking in with us. Yeah, the uh, captain your, hyena. Your yeah. partner in crime over there on Beehawk Live. Yeah, I figured Wednesday. she'd be asleep. <laughs> no, she slept, that. slept all the way home. But like, if you look at McCarron, if you look at McCarron's stats all the way up until the to the almost the end of the fourth quarter, he'd only thrown for sixty-one yards. Yeah, right. Sixty-one yards. Yeah, 
I mean, come on. And then now everybody's like, you know, I saw somebody like, oh, McCurney, dead bad. He was the sixth best quarterback of this weekend. Mm-hmm. The sixth best. And that was only because of the last minute and a half. Right. That was it. And yeah. So. so tell me, tell me what you guys got to do. I didn't get so just tell everybody what happened yesterday. I wasn't gonna go to the game. I wasn't gonna go to San Antonio. Ooh. I live I live I live three hours away. I'm a pastor, so Sunday mornings on, are kind of a big deal. Phil, I live 14 uh, hours away. I live 14 hours away. And but I did can. you have to work that morning? Did you have are to you work up, that yeah. morning? <laughs> no, I had to drive it. I had to get up at 2 a.m. to go to Arlington first. And then come down to San Antonio. So I'm sitting there watching the game that you were at, the Arlington and Vegas game. Perfectly happy with watching the game on TV on Sunday. And I just start getting that that thing where I was like, I have to be there. I have to be there. I have to be there. So I walk in and I tell my wife, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to San Antonio tomorrow after church. And she goes, I don't know why it took you this long. I, I don't understand why you didn't set this up months ago. Um, so I went and bought my ticket. Uh, I had to jump in the car. So service ends for me at 11 o'clock. It's a three hour drive. The game kicks off at two. Mm-hmm. I got there at like one fifty-five, So I didn't get to do any of the tailgating this time. Hopefully I'll make it for some of the tailgating, uh, in some of the other games. So I'm certainly going to have plenty of time on this next game that doesn't start until nine o'clock in the evening, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so tell me what you guys experienced, because all three of you were at the tailgate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You got some food. You had probably a drink or two. Um, you had yeah. a good time. Tell us about tell us about tailgating, because that's a big part of our show, and that's a big part of what we missed from the AAF Commander days was tailgating. So how did it go? Well, I'll start. Yeah, I mean okay. we 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 got there around nine o'clock. I, I, I said I was going to get there at 930, but I got too excited and and we had everything packed up. So we just got there and got in and and there was already a bit of a crowd. You know, I expected there would be some people there at 830 when the gates open. Um, but as we were setting up, uh, you know, that's that's when Dirty and, and Amanda and Dave rolled up and uh, joined in on the fun. But uh, making arounds, we were in lot B. I never got a chance to make it over to lot C, although I hear there was a lot of a lot of a. Uh, uh, craziness going on over there. Although from what I hear, lot B was better. Dirty, dirty can confirm. So lot C, Always pick better. up your pick up your game next time. I know I see Ruben in there, and he's a lot seer. So you got to tell your 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 buddies out there, Ruben, uh, who's who's watching on Facebook that that they need to pick up their game on that side of the parking lot because lot B was owning it this so, past weekend apparently. Ruben is here, and I've got a bone to pick because he comments in the comments, "What's up, RC?" What's up, Leo? And all I have to say to that is, what are Dirty and I? Are we not I, worthy I, I, of Ruben, a what's up? Knows, who knows the most important people? <laughs> I mean, look, why would you say what's up to me? I mean, I'm the frenemy, you know. Uh, you are not. You are our family. No, so, I mean, Leo, are you done? Because I'll give you guys my experience because I still get goosebumps. Goosebumps? goosebumps over it I'll, I'll let you take it from here and i'll chime yeah, in take it from here. Yeah, I, okay i got stuff to say but this ought to be good so you know in 2020 i mean our tailgates were huge we we sold out a bunch of lots around there right 
so we were actually supposed to come down with uh, Viva Texas. What, what is this? The Mata, the what? What is his name? Mariachi. We were supposed to come down with him, but I was supposed to get a special package that was supposed to come with me from my uh, partner Arlington that got delayed in Ar- in uh in Atlanta. So we pull. So we come down and. I call Leo and I'm like, hey, we're here. I'm at lot B. Where yet? He's like, oh, we're over off to the left. Look for here. And I'm like, okay, I come pulling in and boom, there he is. And I'm like, sweet. So we get out. And I mean, I will tell you guys this. The uh, I just got to say the hospitality that, that the Brahmas fans showed and just the love from all of your guys' fans towards me and Amanda. I mean, I knew that we had some kind of a reach. But I didn't realize it was that much of a reach. Like, as it, we were trying to go through the parking lot and people just kept stopping us for pictures and saying, hey, you're Amanda and Dirty from that show. And I'm just, you know, we really love you guys. Thank you for your guys' help. And, I mean, I was very humbled and moved by it. And, I mean, like, look, I mean, you could see I'm getting the goosebumps from it because, I mean, I mean, it was just absolutely beautiful. I mean, one of the greatest experiences that I've had. at a, uh, Dirty, at a let's be fair now. Uh, it's not very surprising that they would be nice to Amanda. She's an attractive female, but the fact that they would be nice to you, that's amazing. Look, look, I was only really worried if RC and Leo was, and you guys were nice to me. I could care less if all the other fans were nice to me. I really only cared if you three were nice to me. You know, I talked so much trash to Captain Brahma and Jorge and stuff like that all over. You know, I talked a lot of trash to Jay. And stuff like that, you know, but no, I mean, it was, I mean, your guys' tailgate was like in St. Louis. Like it was, it was literally like, like you, Hey, hey Ruben, you really do need to bring the heat, man. Cause I mean, I'll tell you that, that might be, I mean, that blew you guys out of the water. I was looking for that Tundra group to see them, didn't find them. So they didn't impress me because I didn't see them anywhere. But yeah, <laughs> le- lot B, lot B really. I mean, you guys knocked it out. B but, for yeah, I mean, Brahma's. You, Right. Like, I mean, I, we were walking around and I saw these guys with these smokers, right. And they were powder coated with Brahma logos on it and made Mm -hmm. them took pictures of them. I mean, just unbelievable. Just, and then, you know, we had other battle Hawk fans, how you guys were like, Hey, come on over, eat. You need some beer and you need some drinks here. St. Louis. We don't do that. We ain't that hospital. We we ain't that hospital to people. It's we bring our own stuff. I was surprised to hear that that the, the, that they don't you know share amongst each other with the food on that. Apparently, that's that's kind of a San Antonio thing. I asked some friends that that tailgate at some other places in Denver and other places, and they've told me that that that's not the common tailgate experience. So, kudos to San Antonio for being like that. I mean, you you walk around you walk around our tailgate for a little while, you're gonna have like five or six tacos just shoved in your face, like okay. here. Try some of this. I mean, yeah, like I was going here. Oh, here, try this. I went over to Viva, Texas. You know, Jorge's had three tacos. I mean, whatever your wife made me, whatever your <laughs> wife made me, oh. Leo, Jesus. I have to tell them Lord what that was. Mighty. I have to have the recipe for that because that was literally like the great. I mean, Phil said he's a pastor, so I'm going to keep it clean. But I mean, that was like one of the greatest <laughs> things I've ever tasted in my entire life. Wow, I mean, what was it, Leo? I, I don't know, but it was phenomenal. That's all I know. Yeah, she's on right now. I'm sure she'll she'll appreciate that. But it was first of all, it was barbacoa, right? But what the we, heck is that? 
bar- barbacoa is it's it's beef, it's shredded beef, and it's actually from the cheek of the cow. Yeah, it's a South Texas thing. It's very popular down here. It's really good. Um, but she takes that barbacoa and she makes an egg omelet out of it. She does an omelet with a barbacoa in the middle, and then she'll put some like pico de gallo in it and, and cheese, you and then uh, our homemade uh. Chile, uh, Chile uh, Colorado, so it's a red chili sauce that can really bite you if you're not too careful. That was a mild batch uh, because we didn't want people to, to, we wanted people to enjoy it, you know, that aren't used to that kind of, that kind of hot, that heat. You're so good. I'm starving now. (laughs) And thank you, Amanda, for the Brahma Mamas. We love you too. Yeah. And then then the Brahma Mamas, how they just embraced us and. I, it was just, I mean, it literally, it was a very humbling experience. Like I've felt that I've seen it in St. Louis, you know, but I never, I hadn't seen it in other cities. Like when we went to the Arlington game in 2020, people knew who we were, but it was more harassing us. Right. They're like, Hey, dirty, take shots with this. I was like, okay, that's how I ended up getting COVID because of that, <laughs> you know, in 2020, probably, you know, they weren't offering me food. They were offering to get me drunk and then almost got into a fight because some guys wanted to mess with my sons as we were leaving. <clears throat> but I mean, like you guys were just, I mean, it was just unbelievable. And just, I mean, we felt very, very humbled and honored to even just be there and to how you guys just accepted us and, and loved us. Yeah. And I played a card trick for some people and it really messed them up, <laughs> really messed them up. So, yeah. Amanda yeah. checking in and giving a shout out to Leo's wife. Leo's wife's name is Dolores. She is so sweet. Please tell her hi for me. It is no secret if you've listened to the Smoking Guns podcast for any amount of time that Dolores is the fourth member. She does yes, not she climb is. on a microphone very often, but she is. Uh, I think somebody gave me a hard time on your show, Dirty, when I said something about uh, Leo was on there at the uh, uh, Alamo Brew, Alamo Beer. Yes. Event. And then we met his wife on camera and I said something about she's better than Leo is. And somebody was like, Ooh, <laughs> he's throwing shade at Leo. No, I'm not. She I, just actually, is. It like, actually, it was me. Phil. I was saying, how can you sh- throw shade at your own co-host? I'm not. You know? He I mean, knows I was, it. Like, wow. I, I can't, I can't deny it. I mean, yeah. anybody's going to say she's cooler than me. I'm just going to agree with you. Cause uh, <laughs> it's the truth. We love her. She's she's my podcast sister too. So, uh, Amanda says, "Ask Dirty about my card trick." What what's up with the card trick? Yeah, what is Ready? up with that? So we were over on Latsy. Pull up Ruben's comment for me, because see, Leo told me, "Hey, you got to go over and check out the Tundra crew." I was like, "Okay, oh, that's where I'm gonna go." Oh, I'm gonna go check out the Tundra crew, right? I didn't see him, and I was walking with Amanda and Dave. And I saw these people some playing some cards. And I was like, hey, can I do a card trick for you guys? And they're like, well, we're in the middle of a drinking game. I'm like, look, I was like, I'm just going to do a card trick real quick for you. They're like, okay. I said, shuffle the deck. Had the girl shuffle the deck. And I, you know, told her, cut the deck, whatever. And she cut it, told her how to do it. And I'm like, all right, now I'm going to pick out four cards that are going to match your card. And so I did it. And as I... I gave her a card. I was like, okay, I'm going to walk away now. Because they had the he hate me towels, which I already had some, but I wanted another one. Uh, so as I walked away, I said, oh, you can flip the cards over. They flipped the cards over. And they're like, wait a second. You got to tell us how you did your trick. I'm like, no, I'm going to tell you how I did my magic trick. That that That's ruining it. Right, exactly. Why did I do that? 
But, you know, I was trying to get some money out of them, but they were smart enough not to bet me. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, that was my card trick. Nice. Yeah, well, Ruben over there, um, you mentioned the Tundra crew. I said you got to check them out. Yeah. Um, he he's he's saying that they they couldn't they couldn't make it out for this game. And and it's true what he's saying. He's saying in the comments here, he, he's part of a big tailgating group called the Bird Gang tailgating. Well, look, that you, does you UTSA. Can, they do it up really big, look, let me tell you. Leo, uh, you guys can stick up for them. I didn't see him there, so I'm going to stay. <laughs> They can't tailgate very well. So when March, May 13th comes, I will come back down when the Battle Hawks are playing the Buffalo Wild Wings for the championship game, and I want to see the Tundra crew there. And then we'll see if they can really tailgate. Yeah, well, that's what he he says. He needs to get them to buy in into the Brahmas. And hopefully after this first game experience, some of those guys will have watched on TV or or they will hear – from Ruben, just how much fun he had there. And we'll see some of them uh, coming around now. It is kind of great that we got to have this game in week one against the eventual winners of the North division and the winners of the South division that will meet again on May 13th, right there in the Alamo dome uh, (laughs) for the championship. Just redo the whole thing. Let's just do it all over again. It was fun. It was a good time. Let's just do that again. Uh, here in on May 13th, the day before Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. May 13th? Yeah. yeah. Uh, day before Mother's Day. What a great Mother's Day present. My wife is already very excited um, that the championship is going to fall right before Mother's Day. She's very excited. Really? Okay. Now, well, how I'll are the you- mama's feeling about that, it being on Mother's Day? How are you well, guys feeling that's, about that? That's a ways away. That's a ways away. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> that when we get closer. But I know for um, the tailgate, I had a schedule. And so I got there at 1030. It was make the Brahma juice, right? And I will tell you, we had tons of people donate from ice to juice to cut up fresh fruit. But nobody came by because I think it didn't have liquor. Everybody asked about it, but nobody really drank it. So we're going to scratch that out off the list. We went around. We passed bubbles um, to the kids and also a flyer that said um, the Brahma's. And we even went to the group that was there from um, the Battle Hawks. They could not believe that we were giving them stuff. You know, how you, they, they were just like in awe of that. Um, and then we went around, we picked up cans, we picked up um, ramen noodles, we picked up rice, all for the food bank, which was amazing. We filled a whole um, cart full of that. Um, then we had the guacamole contest. And we had the judges there. And the winner was from the Brahma bullpen. And I did eat my jalapeno. Um, I took one bite. No one said I had to eat the whole thing. But I took a bite of the jalapeno because I lost the bet. Um, we had our group. Um, well, they wanted me their, to eat it. Their so guy I didn't like, start. Oh, you guy, gave in. You I gave in. I did give in. in. Did give in. Yeah, it was go. a big one. It was a big one. Um, we had the Brahma picture. Um, we had a little bit of the Brahma dance, of our little choreographical dance there. Amazing. I mean, the people were so welcoming, um, offering me drinks. And I learned from the first tailgate, I can't drink and do all that. It's just too much. I, I They offered me water. I drank bottles of water. And that I could do. But I get too dehydrated because all this talking and walking and pulling carts. So I had a good time. My experience for tailgating is very different. 
I just love the interaction with the fans and interacting with the kids. Um, we saw for sure the gunslingers. Coach Shaw tried to jump in my little cart. I'm struggling as it is. And he's trying to jump in there group. and have me pull. Uh, there was like, that's no a way. Big guy. Yeah, that's a like, big guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, why did my thing get so heavy all of a sudden? I turn around, there he is. So it was amazing. I mean, I can't ask for a better tailgate. The interaction, the love. Um, it was just the best. It really was the best for me. Yeah, it's, I was going to ask you, Dirty, you and you and Amanda, I saw some pictures afterwards that you were out with there hanging with the Gunslingers crew for a little bit. Uh, what did you think of those guys or what, what was the interaction there? I, I mean, listen, I told I went right up to the coach and I said, hey, coach, I said, I, you got a fan from St. Louis. He's like, St. Louis? I go, yeah, the only reason why I know of you is from the Smoking Guns podcast. I said, so, I said, so yeah, you got a fan. So they're playing catch with Amanda. They're talking to us. I mean, it, it was really great. I mean, it was and it was great to see that the Brahmas accepting the and the XFL accepting the local team that you guys already have there with the Gunslingers and the the uh, arena football that you guys had there, and where like in twenty twenty, it just really it just it, they didn't really do that, and, and it seems like in this incarnation they're only doing it in certain cities, and it seems like San Antonio is one of their cities where they're just accepting everything about the city, the culture, the people, everything about it. And that's what I love so much about that Brahma's fan base is that. And I love the way that you guys do it. Like with RC, the way that she goes around and collects the stuff and does the stuff for the kids. Like we don't have that in St. Louis. We don't have a group like that in St. Louis. We've tried to get them together. We just never can to get them to do stuff like that. I mean, it's, it was really weird. And I mean, like, I would love to take a lot of what you guys have done and implement it into the St. Louis tailgating scene, but I don't think it's going to happen, but that's okay. I want Amanda and I want to help Amanda to do what we're doing with the Brahma mamas over there in St. Louis. And you can do it because everything that we did that day was everybody volunteered. They volunteered to bring juice, ice cups, the bubbles, you name it. We all volunteered. Because we want football to stay in San Antonio. The battle right. chick. Yeah. Well, uh, see, we were, <laughs> trying to, we were like, oh, we don't need no, why can't we just all be one fan base? And I go, like, look, I get it. I was like, but for us to grow this fan base, I mean, think about this. The XFL is so affordable for families, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, how many kids were there? We saw a lot of young kids there. I mean, like you said, with the uh, Battlehawk fans that came from Perryville, Missouri. Mm-hmm. They they brought their kids with them, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, and they and like they even said this. They're like, everybody down here is so nice. I go, yeah, it's it's un, it's unbelievable. They're like, you know, they're just giving us stuff. Like the guys next to him are like offering them not to cook because he's putting his grill together. And they're like, you want some food? We're cooking food right here for you guys, you know. And they're like, no, no, we're good. They're like, no, seriously, we have enough food. If you guys want some, we'll get it. You know, we'll give you guys some. And I just thought it was great. I mean. You know, just like walking around, you know, I met Warren, who I have talked to numerous times and seen him on these shows, right? Uh, Steven from, they, what they call themselves, the Brahma Destruction Crew or something? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I met, like, I was, yeah, I was standing there at talking to them, and then he saw me and I saw him, and, you know, he gives me the gesture. I walked over him. We stood there and talked. I mean, yeah, it was just. Like I said, I have experienced in St. Louis, just never outside of St. Louis at another fan base. And just the way that you guys were so welcoming to me, Amanda, and Dave, and our show, it was just, 
It was absolutely beautiful. So, like, when I literally said, St. Louis, you guys, we need to turn this stuff up because they had 24,000 and they did a wave for 10 minutes. <laughs> they started the wave and in, in the beginning of the fourth quarter and it lasted yeah. for literally 10 minutes. Forever. I've never seen anything like that. You know, there um, are still people at the Alamo Dome right now doing the wave. I, I really believe it. Thinking that, that they're still there. Right, thinking Heinz Ward didn't pull his entire first first starting defense and put in all of his second stringers. Now, let me ask you guys that question. Why would your head coach pull his entire first first his all of his one guys and put all of his two guys in at the end of the game? Because I think they sure. they thought ahead we were we were winning. We had learned won, a lesson. And that was it. Because at yeah. the last minute, I went to the restroom thinking. We won. I come back. We lost. Honestly, here's the deal, Dirty. We know that you guys, A, live in St. Louis. And you had to drive all the way down to us. And we were like, you know, we want to be, uh, we want Possible. we want to, yeah, we want to be hospitable. <laughs> and it just seems wrong to make them come all the way down here 14 hours. Let me tell you something. And send them back to Missouri. And and not give them something. So I'll tell you what, let's give uh, them a win. No, let's that's, give them a win. that's some South Texas hospitality right yeah, there. Yeah. Here's how stupid we are. <laughs> it is a minute three left. Me and Amanda look at each other after you guys did your big run, scored you get your field goal. We're like, all right, we're losing. I'm gonna take my lumps on the air. I don't want to be stuck because I figured the parking lot was gonna be a madhouse. Let's get out of here. So I turn it on the phone. I walk out of the stadium. So the only reason why the Battlehawks left is because I left the stadium after oh, driving 14 hours like an out. idiot. And like after I drove like an idiot. But again, I watched the game. Now, here's I watched all four games. And here's, here's something I want you guys to realize. So there was only two teams that were the inexperienced head coaches that had no head coaching experience played each other. And that was the Brahmas one, yep. and the Battlehawks. Okay. Now on Sunday or Saturday, both the experience head coaches won. Yep. Yes. You, know, you had Wade Phillips win, which yeah. he's an idiot he, for what he said. That He's intelligent. Yeah, he's a smart <laughs> dude. Good old Wade. Good old son of bum, right? And then you had uh, Bob Stoops with the Rent-A-Hawks. Listen. You guys ain't even got to worry about the rental hawks. They're going to go five and five. So they didn't even worry about the rental hawks because that's the 2020 battle hawks all over again. It's just going to be mm. run, 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 pass, run, 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 pass, run, 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 pass. Don't even worry about them. You guys will take first place. Don't worry. The only or second. The only team you got to worry about is the Roughnecks. And then Buckley, or no, uh, Barlow beat Jim Haslett. But that's because you took that beer snake away from those idiots up there in D.C. and they started throwing yeah, they were mad. limits at people. But, yeah. but remember, Barlow, Barlow has head coaching experience. He is not an inexperienced head coach. He's not Jim Hazlitt. But he's the but NFL. He has, no. But he's had head coaching experience. He I has agree. managed a game. Okay. Whereas Anthony Beck and Hines Ward had never managed a football game until no. yesterday. And one of them did it right. And one of them didn't. And, and that was the difference. Yeah. I mean, pretty much hindsight's 2020, you know, you're like how I said that Heinz. I got it. I got it. Yeah. 2020 there. Hines is right. I mean, look, 
I mean, to be honest, if you really look at the games, in my opinion, the the game that was probably the worst of the whole weekend was the Roughnecks and Orlando game. Yeah, sure. I would agree. Okay. Um. Now, if you wanted defense, the Brahmas and the Battlehawks games, it was literally an up and down flow, right? Up and down, up and down through the entire game, right? And then at the end, there's that drama. Right. But, like, overall, I mean, that was really quality, good football. It was. You know, and, I mean, I remember as I was listening on the way back, I don't – I mean, you really go back and watch it because that's what I did on the 14-hour drive home. We watched all four games. Like, I didn't realize this, and I don't know if you guys did, but Heinz Ward never had the Brahmas practicing in pads or having full contact. Right. In pads. I heard that. So that could have had a lot to do with it, too, there. Because if you notice yeah. – a lot of injuries in our game. Yeah. You bring up you bring up the Orlando Houston game. I got a question for you, Dirty, because yeah. you've watched it like we have. Um, Houston is that good or Orlando was that bad? Oh man. I, I'm not a Brandon Silvers fan because he's a prima donna. Sure. Not I don't like Silvers, but that defense that Wade Phillips has, that Tampa two three, four hybrid type defense. I mean, he had the one kid, what was the one dude's name that had four sacks? Right. You know, I mean, the defense is for real. I'm just not sold on silvers. <laughs> I don't see, like, I didn't, I didn't see Houston do anything that blew me away and just went, Whoa, they're way better than everybody else in this league. But I did see Orlando do enough that I was like, they're just not on the same level. No. Is what I'm seeing around the league. I they think need some more. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it was Houston is great. I mean, they may be great. We need to see over time. But to me, Orlando was bad. It wasn't Houston was great. It was Orlando was not good. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Silver's made a lot of great passes because if I'm not mistaken, Silver's was the third best passer mm. of of the week. Right uh, now, Ben DiNucci. If I'm not mistaken, Ben DiNucci was number one. Right. Now, look, I'm going to tell you, even though they lost, Seattle lost, okay? When If DiNucci and Gordon gets on, when they get on the same page, that's going to be dangerous. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah, if you can get uh, your guys' quarterback, and who's that other little quick wide receiver you guys had? That, I mean, that would just streak right across the, that would slant right across the middle. You're talking about Landon Acres. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yes. You, yes. you give them. You give Coons and and how do you say his name? Cohen. 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 Yep. Okay. You give Cohen I and know who Acres. You're talking about for a second. I know. I, I know. Like, I'm an Ooh. idiot. Come on, RC. You know I'm an idiot. I always mess everybody. He's like up. our Cooper Cup. Yeah. Look, well, you I say that because. No, go ahead, RC. I was like, I say that because I'm a speech pathologist. That's the only reason. Sorry. Marcy, you listen to my show. How many times do I mess people's names up? How do you think I call myself dirty? Why do you think I call we myself dirty? We still love dirty? you. We love you. We love you. My own name. But uh, you get you get those two on the same page, and with Belial, I mean, you guys are going to have a really good offense. And I mean, I I literally think you guys could put up some numbers. I see Antonio said Houston is that good. I I mean, I think it is that they're very well coached. I think it's they're very well coached. That is a well-oiled I mean, machine. I mean, Wade Phillips has been around the game all of his life. People talk yeah, about long time. He's been a he's been a coach for four decades or whatever, but he grew up in the league. Like he he didn't 
There is no point from the time that person entered the, the onto Earth that he hasn't been thinking about football. See, um, Brian, his dad was a quality coach. He's a quality coach. Brian says here that he thinks Seattle is better than Houston. I mean, Seattle's good. Seattle's good. But Houston, to me, for a bunch of no names, do we really know anybody on? Do we know anybody really on the Houston team? I mean, Holly was a big guy in 2020, right? I mean, yeah, that's really about it. But like, at least on your guys' team, you have you have your guys that streaks across. Well, it's his name, Acres. You Acres. have Bilal. You have, you know, I, I'm not going to say his name because RC is going to yell at me again. No, I won't. I won't yell at you. Cohen. You have Cohen, right? I mean, you got a lot of notable players on your team. Seattle, a lot of notable players. Danucci, Gordon, the Battlehawks. We have McCarron, Pearl, right? They Houston killed us. has nobody. Houston has nobody, really. And right. they're just, I think it's just, they're that well-oiled. And I think that's yeah. going to be the team. That's going to well be coached. the Well-coached. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to take a break. We're going to let you get on to uh, going back to sleep because you drove for 14 hours yesterday. Yes, I do but... feel bad that I took up 47 minutes. No, you're oh, fine, Dirty. Fine. Tell them where to find you. Tell them, tell them who you are and what oh. you do and why they should listen to you. Now, listen, you guys don't want to listen to me. Like my, my co-host down here says that I am an idiot. And if you come on our show, the X-Fan show on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11 o'clock Central Standard Time, or if you come on B-Hawk Live at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time and you make me mad, I will call you an idiot because most of the fans that watch my show are idiots. But I still love them all. And I love all you guys. You guys aren't idiots. I love you guys. But, yeah, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Apple Music, all that at X-Fan Network. Uh, we now have we now have the legion of fans that is with us at smoking you know smoking gun podcast is with us reels and heels is with us we have the rough them up podcast over there now uh we're we're getting the uh raising hell podcast with Jimmy Marco and those guys up there in uh the renegade so it's it's basically we want to build a fan network we want to build a network of podcasts that are shows that are you know for the fans that are driven by the fans like your guys' show like our shows so that's where you guys can find us. Excellent. And you We're will find me May 13th at the Alamo Dome when it's the Battle Hawks. I promise. Perfect. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the game itself, the time on the field, and maybe get really deep into what went wrong in that last two minutes. There's Dirty giving you the horns forward and waving his Brahma's flag. He may say that he uh, is a Battle Hawks fan, but there's a part of his, there's a part of his heart that is right here in San Antonio, right, Dirty? It didn't uh, look, go back with you. No, listen, I, I'll tell you this: your guys' secondary logo is probably my favorite logo. The B or the SA? The SA and the B. I oh yeah, I love I love both of them. And I told Leo, I texted my wife and said I would live in San Antonio. She goes, I would too. I said, sweet, let's move to San Antonio then. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. City, I love it. Hey guys, Come I along. love you guys. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate Love it. Love you too. Thanks, Thanks so much. Dirty. Thanks Dirty. for coming on. Appreciate it. Don't go away, Stick guys. With Stick with us right here. We'll be right back. Smoking Guns Podcast. Give us just a few minutes and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right. Smoking Guns Podcast. Philip Higginbotham, Leo Yamas, R.C. Woods. Said goodbye to Dirty for now, but good guy. Good show Great over guy. there. Him and Amanda. And uh, Dave. We enjoy Dave. Uh, we enjoy spending some time with them this weekend. We've talked about the tailgate. We've talked about the pregame. 
We've even talked about the fact that we're going to host the championship game. Guys, Yeah, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough if we host this championship game and we're not in it. It's I'm going to tell you right hard. now, like, I'm not going to like that very much. So, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. I think fans will still show up because it's another reason to tailgate. But yeah, it's it's going to sting if our Brahmas aren't in there. So let's let's just make that happen, Coach Ward. There you go. Coach Ward and players, let's make this thing happen. Uh, let's talk about the football game itself. The time on the field. Now, RC, you got to watch from the bullpen. You got pulled. What happened? How did that happen? Okay, I'll tell you what happened. So it was about like 1.15-ish. My friend and I, Laura Gully, we go in and we get our seats. And I go live, right, just to tell everybody, you know, bird's eye view, if that's what you call it. And the, I see this guy out of the corner of my eye coming up the stairs, and he just stops, like, right in front of me. So I kind of go in panic mode just a little bit, you know? And I and he's like, do you want to sit in the front row? And I was like, uh, do you want me to? Because I have scared to death, right? <laughs> and then he's like, well, go sit in the front row. And I was like, okay. He goes, do you want to go to the bullpen? I go, do you want me to? And he's like, yes, because I got two free tickets. Follow me. So my instinct was, do I go or do I not go? This guy was dressed from head to toe. He was in a kilt. He had paint on his face. It was I incredible. saw that guy. Yes. Yeah. So we're walking and I was like, can I ask you, do you know me? He's like, yeah, I know you. And I was like, you're RC. I'm like, I, I am RC. He's like, I met <laughs> you at the first meet and greet uh, with Heinz Ward um, when we were at the, what was that restaurant downtown? That we had the first smoke. Greet. No, no, not smoke. That was no the one on the river walk. Yes, I wasn't uh, there, but I know what you're talking about. That was like where I brought the first sign of the Brahma Mamas. He's like, I met you there, and he's like, I have these extra tickets. So just come on, it's all you can eat. You get free food. You get a hat. I was like, what? It was amazing just to be there, literally right on the field. It was just like a barrier and us. I bet he it was loud. Oh, I couldn't even hear my friend talking and she was sitting right next to me. I was almost, I, when I can't talk and people don't understand me, I go into sign language. It's like automatic. And so I'm over here signing to her. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh my God, I forgot. It's just when I can't communicate, I automatically go to like my hand. But it was, the food was delicious. Oh my gosh. They had these best, huge cookies. They had some chicken. They had some ground beef. They had seasoned peppers. Amazing. It was amazing. I, I don't want to go there from now on. I, I don't even want to sit over there anymore. So we'll I see what happens. I think this is the second show that RC has descended into a menu. Our Super Bowl party, now she's doing it for the bullpen. Uh, but you just, somebody came up and said, you want to go. Like there was yes, no other way. That was it. Okay. Nothing else than that. Nothing yeah. else than that. It looks like the uh, Brahma's organization was really taking care of the fans. It said here, yeah, Renee in the, the comments um, had obstructed seats uh, for whatever reason, and the Brahma's just came up and put them in the bullpen. Uh, I think it was the ESPN, the camera thing that Dirty was talking about. The mm -hmm, same right. thing happened here because I talked to someone in the same area, and that's what they told me, that they had seats. They came, they called the night before and said, hey, look, Unfortunately, where you're sitting at, ESPN is going to be having their cameras there. We're going to move you to the bullpen. So, yes, definitely they took care of them. Good job yeah, on the Brahmas. Renee confirming that it was the ESPN camera that uh, forced them that way 
Uh, Renee is the, I've seen her online, I think, today. Is that the Brahma babe? Is oh, yeah. She's, uh, she's, she's a hottie. She's a hottie. We yeah. took a picture together. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Um, so, yeah, and so we were right there when they had all of the different fan interactions. She was the one who did the um, the yes, trivia. Right. That's her. Uh, which was so tough. Oh, it's so what, tough. What current XFL head coach won Dancing with the Stars? Like, if you're Hello. in that building <laughs> and you don't know that answer to that question, you need get to out. get out of the building. <laughs> it's time to go. Uh, so, the gameplay on the field, Leo and RC, um, what did you see? What have you noticed? I know, Leo, you've gone back and watched all of the game. Yes. Watched most of the game at this point. And it's it's hard. When you're in the stadium, it's hard to really pick out some things. But when you go back and watch the tape, I started noticing a lot of things that I was like, ooh, we got to talk about this. And we got to talk about that. And I want to start first with the first 58 minutes of the game. Let's The whole... Two minute debacle. I want to get to on a separate thing entirely, but that first right. eight minutes of the game, what did you see? Well, the first fifty eight minutes of the game, like you said, I think the Brahmas kind of had their way with the Battlehawks. They definitely controlled the pace of the game they defensively. Offensively, I think they were doing what they wanted to do. There were just certain little things that they weren't clicking on. And everybody knows that defense is a lot easier to get together when you're first starting. It happens at all levels in football. The defense always comes together a lot quicker than the offense does, you know, especially when you have new players coming in, new offensive schemes and stuff like that, which for every team in the XFL, it's all new. So we can expect to see a lot better defensive play than offensive play in the first couple of weeks. But uh, that said, we kind of had a sense, we talked about it before from the draft, that the Brahmas were going to be a run-heavy offense. And that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what, we, sure. what we saw. Uh, I mean, they've got two great backs in uh, Kevin Bellage and, and Jacquez Patrick that they, they really lean on um, and were able to kind of con- control uh, the clock, control, you know, keep the, the uh, Battlehawks offense off the field. And then when they were on the field, the defense was very effective. Um, we saw some things in, uh, in over the last, uh, you know, several hours on social media and people talking about, we touched on it a little bit right now, but the biggest question mark for me was what was our quarterback going to look like? What was uh, Jack Cohen going to look like out there? Didn't have, have a whole lot of information on him. I know, I know he played, uh, one season at Notre Dame, went to a bowl game, right. did re- pretty well there. He had a pretty good uh, record over through his co- uh, collegiate career. But what was he going to look like at this level? And I got to say, I was pretty dang impressed with the way Cohen handles pressure, um, the decisions he made. Uh, I think he didn't get a lot of help from his receivers. He had a lot yeah. of drop passes. Uh, key at key moments at key moments from both his wide receivers and his running backs once or twice. Um, I think a touchdown got dropped at the end of the first half that ended up being a missed field goal uh, mm-hmm. when they had to settle for a field goal. And, and it was one of uh, Romo's, it was Romo's only miss of the game. But yeah, look at that line, uh, 25, 36, 207 yards, one TD, one interception. And again, the interception that was off a deflection that was in the hands of his receiver 
should have been caught and then ended up getting intercepted. So it's a stat against the quarterback, but really the foul was on the wide receiver. Should and he had he had multiple plays like that that were right in the receiver's head. I don't think he threw a single really bad pass in the game, like a really inaccurate pass. There were a couple that floated out out of bounds, but I think those were intentional. Uh, because the, the play wasn't there. He knew it wasn't going to happen, so just throwing the ball away. But I came away really, really impressed with how he handled the pressure. There were times where he stood in the pocket. He knew he was going to get hit and and delivered the ball. There's one time where that came back and bit him because he held onto it just for a touch too long and got blindsided from behind. That's really the yep. biggest, the biggest, I think, mark against his game that game was the fumble where he got blindsided and ended up losing the ball, and that was a turnover. Yep. His second turnover, if you include the interception. But other than that, I think his decision-making under a lot of pressure, uh, because on both sides of the ball, the defensive line dominated, uh, both for the Brahmas and for the Battlehawks. I was really impressed with how he stood in the pocket, how how sharp he looked, the decision-making, getting rid of the ball when he had to, uh, extending the play when he had to, getting out of the pocket and running. He, he, he had some rushing yards in the game. Um, I came away really impressed and I was like, okay, I get it now. You know, people were thinking it was going to be pass at first, uh, because he was the one that got the most, uh, the most publicity, the most talked about then, you know, Sinet with his experience with, uh, that he showed in the NFL with the dolphins and, and, uh, uh, I forget the other team is with, but he, you know, he had some moments mostly in preseason, but he showed some, ta- he, that he's got some talent. So a lot of people thinking, oh, it's going to be Sinet. And then, you know, we hear, oh, wait, it's it's Cohen. Right. And we're kind of scratching our heads. Well, obviously he showed something and we were wondering what it was going to be. And I think if anybody comes away out of that game saying, oh, we need to really uh, go to a different quarterback or think about quarterback, I, I think you need to go back and rewatch that game and look at the line play, look at the pressure he was under, and look at the decisions he made and look at just how tough he was. I mean, how many QB sneaks did we have for short yardage that he converted every single time? I mean, he was tough, gritty, smart. And that, I mean, those are the t- three of the top things you want out of your quarterback and accurate. He wasn't inaccurate at all. Right. So I'm just yeah. grateful that he didn't do what the commander's coach did and switch out the quarterbacks. Thank God. I was worried about that. Havo Morales says we were too conservative on offense. Cohen seemed slow at times. I got to tell you, this is exactly the offense I expected to see. Um, two or three run plays for every pass play that you run. And if we're honest, again, we're talking about the first 58 minutes. It worked. Right. Like it did. This is a, this was a good defense that we went up again. I saw a good defense on the field for the battle Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still were in control of the game until that final two minutes. We're, we're going to talk about what that final two minutes looked like. But if you take that out, if you subtract that from the game, even with an offense that seemed not as high powered as you would hope for, you were still in control of the game. You had a running game, you had defense. We've all heard all of our lives. That's what you need to win football games. And they had those two things going. These two guys, I just tossed it up there for a second. I'm going to toss it up again. These two guys are, you're either going to win a championship or not win a championship based on number nine and number 11. Like, that's what this is all about. It's about Balazs and Patrick. Cohen is important because he's a quarterback and he touches the ball on every play. And you need him to bail you out sometimes when you get behind the chains. But I, I 
I believed it when we drafted this team. I believe it even more now seeing the way Heinz Ward put this team together, that this team is going to live or die on these two guys right here. It's it's all about that. Yeah, I think we like saw that in the game. Yeah, they both did great. I mean, Balazs, uh, there, there's a there's a site out there that I think it's more for like um, gambling or for for um, fantasy football, and and there's a site out there that keeps track of uh, basically uh, opportunities, uh, touches in in a game, and and Kalen Balaj led the entire XFL in total uh, opportunities with 28, 24 rushing attempts and four passing targets, far and away. The, the, the number two on that was the running back for, from the Renegades, Devion Smith, with 15 total. So he nearly doubled the guy that was right. second on touches in the entire XFL in the first week. So that and, tells you a lot about what this offense is is geared on. And 34 touches between the two of them, Balaj and Patrick. It just seemed clear to me, not only when we drafted, but seeing it in action. Uh, this is going to be a run first team, and I'm okay with that. Um, I, I think we're built well for that. Um, as long as we don't get away from that identity late in games, which I don't think we did on the offensive side of the ball. I do think we did it on the defensive side of the ball. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but Kalen Balaj, like you can hand the ball to him and he can stop for a yard. And then you hand the ball to him and he runs for 15. It don't ever stop handing that guy the ball. Um, don't ever stop handing that guy the ball. Well, and, and yeah, you just brought this up with Javo Morales' comment here. He says, what's your opinion on receivers? Too many drops this game. I know we still have no full, not fully synced, but what's your take? So I agree with you, Philip. You want to hand the ball. You want to put the ball in, in Bellage's hands, but you want to run the ball and run it effectively so you could set up the pass. Yes. And we did that to some extent, but I agree with some of the people saying, well, you know, the offense was a little anemic or they need to open it up a little bit more. I do think there's room to have a little bit more of, of, of deep ball passes. It seemed that a lot of times the receiver was kind of the check down receiver, the, the tight ends, uh, running backs uh, or wide receivers, but the routes weren't that deep. Now, the times that they he did connect, there was a couple. Um, like I said, Cohen – you, the reason why you don't do that is if you're worried about your quarterback's accuracy. But I, I at least to me, from my perspective in week one, uh, he's got a very accurate ball. Uh, I just think maybe it's just going to take a little bit more time for him to develop a chemistry with those receivers. And you'll start, you'll start seeing less drop balls. Look, my feeling on wide receivers has always been on the college level and the pro level. And since this is the pro level, but in between those two, it is still true. If you get two hands on the ball, I, I don't care where it is. If it's within area for you to get two hands on the ball, you got to come down with it, period. That's right. your job. Oh, yeah. oh, we had to reach behind him. Oh, we had to reach up high. I don't care. If you could get two hands on the ball, you should have come down with it. And there were at least four and probably more. I didn't make it through the whole game. But there are at least four that were straight up drops. It hit them in the hands and it fell to the ground. And that just can't happen. It just can't. Um, will they get better on that over time? Well, yeah, I would think so. They've got a, a Super Bowl MVP and ultimately what a guy that should be a Hall of Fame wide receiver as their coach. Do I think he can teach them to catch the ball? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Um, I would hope so. 
Yeah, it's I'm like I was it was a problem here. I'm I'm really surprised it was a problem yesterday. It's like I was telling a buddy of mine at the game, and and I said this before uh, the collapse in the last two minutes. I said, you know, looking at this team, we've got a strong run game. We've got a pretty darn good quarterback. We've got a a, a really stout defense. I was like, the the only kind of main position that it seems like we're somewhat lacking in is wide receiver. And how ironic that is, is being that our head coach is a hall of fame wide receiver. Right. Uh, but again, like I said previously, offense takes a lot more time to gel than defense in football. That's just the way it is. And so I, I think we're seeing our defense. They're a lot further along where the coaches want to be than the offense is. I expect we'll see the offense start to, to be a little, a, a little bit b- better over the next couple of weeks. So that's the first 58 minutes. I think at the end of the day, in the first 58 minutes, you had everything right where you wanted it for a game one. Like you didn't look great. You didn't look perfect. You turned the ball over twice, but you're ahead and you're ahead by two possessions. Yes. Now let's talk about the final two minutes of the game. And I want to preface all of this by saying, If you are one of those San Antonio fans, San Antonio Brahmas fans right now, that is griping and moaning about rules, stop it. Nobody had an issue with a 4th and 15 conversion until yesterday. All of a sudden, when it hurt somebody's team and it happened to be ours, now I'm hearing a lot of Brahmas fans going, that's a stupid rule. No, it's not. It's a great rule. Because it provides an opportunity for a team that's down two possessions to still get back in the game. Does it suck that that happened to us? Yeah, it does. But none of you whined or cried at all about this rule when we talked about it for all of the XFL 2020 and all of the lead up to this game. Now, all of a sudden, you got your finger pricked by the cactus and you're like, that sucks. We need to get rid of those and never have those again. Stop it. You sound ridiculous. You yeah. sound ridiculous when you start talking about that's a stupid rule. No, it's not. It's a great rule. It's a great way to play the game. It just means we got beat on it yep. and it stinks. The other thing I would say is I've seen a lot of folks griping about two feet down, one uh, foot down. It's the way it is. In the XFL, you got to have one foot down to have possession. And I'll be really honest with you. College rule. On, college rule. Yeah. I, I've said this on Facebook uh, today a couple of times. I would like to see the NFL go to one foot down. I like offensive production. And I think it's ridiculous that one, you have to have two feet, but one knee or elbow or buttock. That doesn't make any sense. One point of contact with the field before you go out of bounds is perfectly reasonable. And I would like to see the NFL move to that. Now, maybe with the XFL trying this out, this is a... Uh, test case for the NFL to go, that'll work. There's no reason that won't work. Um, I'm okay with it. I know that Leo, I think, has a little different opinion, but I, I'm all for one foot down, and I'm fine with it in the XFL. That's fine. Well, I'm not, I'm not not fine with it. I, I don't like it simply because it's it's not what we're used to in the NFL, but there's a lot of rules that we're not used to. Um I, I think it takes it takes a lot more effort to get both feet down. Um, and since that's that's kind of like the goal of all these guys is to make it to the NFL, to get to the NFL. This is yeah. a step to that. So it, to me, that's something that you may as well get used to now 
uh, rather than rather than than getting the one foot down only. It's kind of like okay, it's time to put you on your big boy pants and make sure you get both feet down on you know before getting before going out of the play of field or the field of play. Now, there's a lot of different nuances that are different from the XFL to the NFL. It's a different different game, so I understand it and accept it. Uh, if in how you say, Philip, in their case, the NFL were to adopt that one foot down rule. Mm-hmm. then even more so I don't have a problem with it, but I, I just, I question whether that will ever happen. I, I don't think so personally. So in that not. aspect, I would say, why not just go with the two foot? It would keep things so much more, uh, less confusing and, uh, a little bit more competitive and, and harder on those receivers playing defensive back is already hard enough as it is. And now you're only going to you're going to allow your wide receiver to have the advantage of only having to get the one foot down on that play that you're talking about. The defensive back turned around and and was, you know, excited because he thought he had defended the play well enough right. that the that the the player didn't make the play. And then he turned around and he was a little bit surprised to see the the referee doing the the catch uh, mm-hmm. uh hand symbol. Um defensive back is an extremely difficult uh, position to play and i think that just makes it that much harder it's not oh, that the, i don't like it though the people all around me in my section oh he only got one foot down yeah. and i'm like that's all you need people you gotta pay <laughs> attention to what it is. um now let's talk about what really happened in the last two minutes because the rules aside the rules are the rules they went for a three-point conversion they got it they went for the fourth and 15 they got that they got in the end zone they left at 16 seconds left on the clock they did it masterfully Like they came back masterfully and let's talk about why it happened because it wasn't anything as far as I'm concerned that the St. Louis Battlehawks did. Sorry, dirty. I know you're still listening, but I'm not giving your team as much credit for this as I am. We completely changed the way we played defense in the last two minutes of the game and started sending seven and eight back instead of blitzing the quarterback on sure passing downs. We did that all game long. If it was a ga- if it was a down that was going to be a passing down, nine times out of ten, we were blitzing the quarterback. And A.J. McCarron gets deer in the headlights and just ah, panic. Ah, he just throws the ball because he doesn't want to get hit. And we did that all game long. And then we got in the last two minutes and we're like, ah, let's send eight guys. Let's send a defensive end out into coverage and not rushing the quarterback because we want to tighten the windows, as Joey Galloway said at the end of the game. We want to tighten those windows up. And AJ McCarron was able to sit back there not long because our pass rushers are still pretty good, but he was able to sit back there long enough that he could find Austin Prohl, that he could find these guys and, and pick us apart and move down the field and get everything he needed. He got a touchdown. He got a three point conversion. He got a fourth and 15 play and he got another touchdown. All of that because we, and on all four of those plays, if you go back and watch, we rushed no more than four people, any of those plays. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I I I I completely I completely agree that I don't understand why the defensive change, the defensive philosophy at the end. Um, it, it takes me back, you know, something that as a Broncos fan, I will always remember in Super Bowl thirty two. <laughs> uh oh, here we go. When Denver was playing Green Bay, you know, um, and they were up by a touchdown with a couple minutes left, and then here here we go. Everybody's nervous because Brett Favre. You know, uh, the comeback king himself was getting the ball and he had, you know, had opportunity to come down and score seven points and and tie the game. And there's a camera on the sideline and it picks up 
Greg Robinson going to Mike Shanahan and saying, what, what do you want me to do? What, what do I do? And, and Shanahan looked at him and he said, do what you'd normally do. Don't change anything. Do what you've done all game. And that's what they did. And the Denver Broncos go on to win their first Super Bowl. And it's, it's just that if, if, if what you've been doing has only had some kind of success, but not dominated, then I can understand maybe mixing things up a little bit. But the Brahma's defense had literally up to that point dominated the Battle Hawks offense. They only had like what 60 something yards of offense the whole game or something, uh, something really small like that. Up until that point, they doubled uh, the offensive yards just in those last two minutes. Um, I don't understand the change. The other thing I will say, and I don't want this to sound like a cop out because it's not, it's not the reason they lost, but I think it, it, it was a, 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 a contributing factor is something that I noticed about the overall gameplay, but particularly in those last couple minutes going back and watching, watching the, the, the broadcast seems like the XFL, and I'm sure this is a calculated effort. This is something that they oh, yeah. talked about and are doing intentionally. Mm-hmm. They are letting a lot go as far as holding holds league wide. on the play league wide. But in that last two minutes, I can't tell you how many times I saw on the line, particularly on one pass, the the touchdown pass before the three-point conversion and before uh, the fourth and 15. Um, We had a defensive end make a really nice spin move, get by his guy, and all the guy could do was turn around and reach out and grab the guy from the shoulder. That held him back just a bit, maybe a second, a second and a half. But that second, second and a half was long enough for McCarron to find the guy in the end zone and make that touchdown. So to me, that kind of a hold, that has a bearing on the on a significant play. And that's when you got to throw the flag for. It didn't happen, and that's not why they lost. I mean, they still had opportunities no. to stop the Battle Hawks and didn't. You know, they, they've made some mental mistakes, all kinds of other things. I'm not making this up as an excuse but no. it is something that I noticed throughout the game. There was a lot of, we only had one hold call the entire game. And you're and not making it up at all. Like I, I noticed it on Saturday before we ever got into the Alamo dome, watching the, uh, the Vegas win along with the Houston win. I was like, man, I'm not seeing near as many flags as we see in an NFL game. And you know what? I prefer that. I am so tired of NFL flag fest games where every play there's a flag and we have to stop down and watch referees talk about stuff. Like if they're, if it's even, I'm okay. Right. Even even with some, some holds happening that maybe would normally get called in a normal game, man, if it's even now, if it starts getting tilted one way or the other, you guys know that's where I get upset. Mm -hmm. But if it's even, I'd much rather see guys play football than see referees throw flags. I put referee flag throwing on uh, Pro Bowl weekend as part of the uh, the skills competition, and I'll watch all the referees throwing flags that I want to watch over there. Um, I kind of like that there were a lot less flags, and I love uh, Brian Winsloff checking in and saying the review process with Dean Blandino is really cool. I love the transparency. And what's funny is it's not any different than what happens in the NFL. Like Dean Blandino came from the NFL. This is exactly the same process they use yeah. 
but we see it now. It's just they're letting us see it now. Yeah. So the Houston game, the the first quarter of the Houston game, there's a touchdown that Orlando scored that was not a touchdown. It was an interception. Houston intercepted the ball and the Orlando receiver came over the top and they got twisted around and they ended up both coming down in the end zone with the ball clutched in and the referees gave it to Orlando, made the wrong call. And it didn't even get reversed upon review. But the reason it didn't get uh, uh Reverse. reversed is because Dean Blandino took a look at it and he said, I even think it's an interception, but I can't see that. And mm-hmm. I've got to go with the call on the field as a fan. I think it's the wrong call, but I get that you were kind of handcuffed at that point. If you had hidden all of that in some back dark room where I can't see any of that, that feels you're like you cheated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you're like you're cheating Houston out of something. When I saw it all with the transparency, I was like, okay, it's the wrong call, but I get how we got there. That's what they called on the field. And I'm seeing what he's seeing. And there's not much there. There's nothing that we can hang our hat on and say, yeah, it was definitely an interception. It, it I love the transparency. I love the fact that I'm not seeing a flag every play for an entire offensive uh, I did not see a whole lot of pass interference calls, which have started really bugging me in the NFL. Um, I was really happy with the o- officiating for the most part. Um, and certainly the way they cleaned up officiating on the backside with the review process. I thought it was great. I was going to say, I thought maybe the conditioning had a factor or maybe all the noise, but I think when they brought in the newer players, they, they, it was too late. I mean, like, that they should have kept on doing what they were doing. They got them to that point, not change it at the end. That's just me, though. But I did go to the restroom because I thought we were winning, and then I came back and we lost. So either I took way too long or what happened? I was like, what happened? Coach Ward made a mistake. He made substitutions. He, you know, changed the defensive philosophy. He thought the game was won. He was, at that point, his NFL experience in his brain kind of took over the way he was approaching those last couple of minutes and it, it came back and bit us. And uh, I, you know, hopefully lesson learned. Um, I hope so too. I hope but yeah, I mean, there, there's a graphic out there. Um, I don't know if you, you captured that or not, Philip. Uh, there's a graphic that shows us the stats team by team and they, they, they do it visually with bars. We have the blue bar versus the yellow bar. And then in, whichever one had the advantage, it kind of slides one way or the other and if you go down and look at that, it's on the XFL uh, site. If you go look at the game stats, um, you can see the yellow bars are significantly it's 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 significantly swayed towards yellow as you go down. Just about every stat, there's only very few that are that are across on you know advantage blue, and it's just uh, it goes to show you how 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 much the Brahmas did to control this game. And really win this game until the very end when uh, they let it get away from them. Yeah, for sure. Showing that right now on uh, the video. If you're checking in on the video feed, you can see that. You can go to XFL.com and go to the game stats for the page and see that and uh, pick through that and find all the information that you want. I'm impressed with how the uh, XFL is putting out information um stats and that kind of stuff were easy to find today and i appreciate that as a guy who covers the sport and follows the sport that's always nice 
Um, Brian Winsloff talking about that play in the Houston game. Has there ever been a play like that where both players had the ball? I can't really think of one. I can. It was a game between the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks when the NFL was using scrub referees and it was the last game to ever use replacement referees because they, it, it, what is it called? The fail Mary? Is yeah. that what they refer to that as? <laughs> Go look it up because they completely botched the call and the NFL said, well, whatever the referees want, we've got to give it to them because we can't ever let that happen again. In this particular case, I think that they made the best call that they could. It was not the right call, but it was the best call that I feel like they could have made. So the game ends with an 18-15 result. The Brahmas are 0-1. Yeah, that sucks, but it's the truth. It's a bummer. I mean, it's a bummer. We wanted to see a win. We had a win for 58 minutes. We should have held on to the win. We didn't. Um, It is football, though. And we had a great time at a football game. And now we get to move forward. So I want to take another really quick break. And if you're hanging out with us on Facebook, don't go anywhere because we will be back like super fast. So don't click away. Stick with us. But when we come back, I want to talk about what's up in the future and uh, want to talk around the XFL, some of the things that we saw all over and around the XFL. So stick with us. Smoking Guns Podcast, Philip Higginbotham, Leo Yamas, R.C. Woods. Okay, so we lost. Uh, It's not the end of the world. We didn't want to lose. Nobody likes losing, but somebody's got to lose. We lost the game. Uh, Not the end of the world. It still sucks, though. Oh, no, I hate it. I hate (laughs) it. Well, I was talking to um, Jose, and I was like, hey, great game. And he's like, we lost. I said, yeah, but we won in tailgating. We won in attendance. We won in fan interaction. There's a lot of wins that we had at this game. Yes, we lost the game, and I get it. And I know we wanted a W, but there was a lot of positive things. We're getting the championship game. You know what I'm saying? That's a win. Well, well, that was a huge win, yeah. Huge. That we're going to have the championship game here. That's going to be really cool. But uh, the biggest win is I don't think there was – hardly anybody that was at that game and probably the majority of people that watched it on TV that after that said, I don't want to be at the Alamo dome for the next one. No, I I think, I think the most, the majority of the people that wore there, the 24,250 that were there came out of that saying, man, that was, that was pretty awesome experience. I, you know, let's look into being here. The next one, if you didn't have season tickets, let's look into buying tickets or people that were watching, you know, maybe a little skeptical. Well, let's see how this is first. And watching on TV and the home market, they saw that and they're like, you know what? I think I might make it to this next game because that that looked pretty cool. You yeah, talk that's about the it. Sorry, the only bummer is that the next three games are away. That's killing us. You talk about attendance numbers. Uh, we'll talk about the next three games here in a second because I don't think that's as big a bummer as you think it is. If if we're willing to be real fans. Uh, But let's talk about attendance numbers for a second. I've got them up on the screen right now. That first game out in Arlington, 12,000 fans. The next game there in Houston, another 12,000 fans, 12,700 fans. Uh, We just about had had 
both of those games combined in the Alamo Dome. And then again in D.C., they had about 12,500 fans. Um, so we blew away the rest of the league this week with our attendance numbers. I mean, it wasn't even close. No. Um, we did that last time, the last go around. Nothing, nothing, nothing new here. We're just going to keep on going with that. Yeah. And the only and, we had the, and with the rodeo, we still had a huge crowd. And I got to point out that we ended the AAF days, the San Antonio Commanders days. Our final game of the AAF was in Alamo Dome. It was against the Arizona headshot, uh, headshots, headshots. I like it. We'll call them that from now. Uh, the hot shots. Uh, it was a loss, if you remember, 23 to 6 loss by the Commanders. We had 23,504. It was a Sunday night game against the Spurs, I believe. Not mm-hmm. against the Spurs, but up against no. the Spurs. Yes. So we lost some sports fans over to uh, the um, the Spurs game. We had 23,504. We just got over that number this week. Um, so we are picking up right where we left off. Like we are, we are moving forward. We had a break of 18 months or whatever that's been longer, I guess. Actually, it's been 20, almost 30 months. Is that right? Um, of no football, but we picked right up where we left off. I don't want to do math on this show, Philip. I know. We yeah, I was, I was told no there math. would be no math. <laughs> so that's great. The tailgating was great. The fans and the, and, and look. I saw, not saw, I stood in line to buy a t-shirt, the one I'm wearing now, uh, Love it. For, for 25 minutes because everybody was buying gear. It seems to me that San Antonio's bought in, but I've got to be honest, we're going to find out how bought in the next time we're back at the Alamo Dome. Because everything yeah. that could be up against this game, to me, is um, our next game in the Alamo Dome is on March 19th. It is a Sunday night game, which we just talked about how that didn't work out well when we played the Hot Shots. And the game does not start until 9 p.m. Yeah. yeah. The XFL kept these games at three hours pretty pretty well. Like all the way through yeah. the league, they were three-hour games. But that means the game is not ending until midnight on a work night. So here's what you've got to do. Call in sick. Call in sick. PTO. That's what I need. Request your PTO right now. You have three weeks. You have three weeks to get that in. (laughs) March 20th, boss. I'm not going to be here. Monday, March 20th, I am away. I am taking some PTO. Um, Make your plans to not have me in the office on March 20th and come out to the Alamo Dome. It gives us lots of time to... Uh, tailgate and have a great time before the game but man um that's a late start and it, it is. is what it is i uh, think that's because of espn more than anything but isn't it absolutely like 9 p.m eastern time and here it's eight no, no ma'am nine no? Oh, local time central no ma'am i gotta take a nap that day yeah uh, Renee checks in and says that one's tough, but she's from Wimberley and she's just going to stay the night in San Antonio. I am also planning on being at the game, but I am not driving back to Palacios at midnight. So 
I'm going to find a couch or something uh, to lay down. Uh, Leo, Come on over, Philip. I may be using the guest room, bud. Uh, yeah, no problem. Game, like, I'm going to be there, but there's no way I'm driving three hours back to no, Palacios in a game that gets out I of I wouldn't let you. I not would doing not it. Um, so just make the plans now. Like, that's what I'm telling you. Also, if you're bummed, if you had a great time at the Brahmas game on Sunday, or you didn't get to go to the Brahmas game on Sunday, and you're like, man, that sounds like it was a ton of fun. It was. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't want to wait three weeks. Guess what? You don't have to. Because two of the next three games, while they are on the road, they are right in the same state. And look, I realize a five-hour drive to a football game seems weird. I realize that a two-and-a-half-hour drive over to Houston for a football game seems weird. But but you could do it. Like, if you don't do it, that's on you. That's the – I mean – Amanda and Dirty came down from 14 hours away, hit another football game on their way. They were able to do it. Make a make a trip out of it. Bring the family with you. But let's let's have a big contingent of Brahma's fans show up in Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. Leo, you going to be in Houston? I am going to be in Houston. Um one caveat on that one, that is also a late kickoff. So if yeah, that that's also I think a nine o'clock kickoff. So I I was debating, or is it seven? Maybe it's seven. It might be seven, now. but I'm still spending. Yeah, the it's night it's a late. I know it's late, and I was debating on on making the drive back home early that night. I'm going up there with my brother. My cut. My nephew lives in Houston, and we're gonna get together as family there. Uh, but I have decided I'm just gonna go ahead and stay the night. I was after talking to my brother. The uh, Arlington game, however. It is on a Sunday as well, but it is a much earlier kickoff. I believe that is a 2 p.m. kickoff. So you got plenty of time to get up there, leave in the morning, get up there, have the, you know, enjoy the I game. I did misspeak. I did misspeak. That is not one of the next three games. We play uh, Orlando next week, Houston the week after, and then Seattle. So you're probably oh, not going to go to that not one. Not driving this- to Seattle, no. Then we're home oh. for Arlington, and then we go to Arlington in a weird home-at-home uh, home back-to-back back back. thing. Uh, so the first game against Arlington is here, and then we go up there the next week. But what I'm saying is there are opportunities for you to still be involved. Certainly Houston. Look, Houston from San Antonio is not that bad. Not and too yeah, bad, it's no. a it's a little later game, but a three-hour game that starts at 7 means it's over at 10. You're home by... What one? one you can go to work morning, the next morning. No, I took PTO. <laughs> I'm calling in sick. I'm working from home that yeah. day. We're gonna be in Houston. Leo's got his tickets. I bought mine today. But RC, it turns out that you got some communication. Yes, from our um, friends at the Roughnecks. Yes, Paul Tweeter. Um, he's one of the main guys he's the director of ticket sales and he contacted me today and he's taking care of us he's given us five seats comp so excited he said we're welcome to join in the club and we're also may have an opportunity to go on the field so if anyone in san antonio is listening some people really love us and take care of us i'm just we're saying more love from houston from down down i-10 uh than we are here in our own hometown is that what you're saying rc it I seems like the that. Roughnecks are taking better care of the Smoking Guns podcast than the Brahmas are. I'm not saying 
that uh, we're going to become a Roughnecks podcast or anything. Like, I'm not saying that. Uh-huh. I'm just saying that one of those teams is taking better care of us than the other. And it seems kind of odd that it would be the Houston franchise um, that's taking Paul care Teeter. of us. Peter. P-E-E-T-E-R. Peter. There you go. Uh, so Peter. if you need tickets to the Houston Roughnecks game, reach out to Paul and give him your business. I don't know <laughs> if they work on commission or how that works, but go give that guy some business, man. Because uh, he, is, he is taking care of the smoke. Look. We're we're razzing the Brahmas a little bit, but let me say something that we kind of brought up earlier in the first segment. Uh, we talked about it online a lot. The Brahmas reached out to the San Antonio Gunslingers and said, yeah. "Hey, bring your crew, bring your team." Basically, I think they they had like fifteen of them come to the game. They took care of them, got them in the game. They got to tailgate with folks. They had a great time. Uh, there is absolutely a version of all of this where the Brahmas pretends that the San Antonio gunslingers of the National Arena League don't exist at all. They don't acknowledge them at all. They don't do anything about this arena team that is in the town with them. They just kind of ignore them because, hey, we're big time and y'all are just an arena team. The Brahmas did not do that. Mm-mm. And that is worth mentioning that mm-hmm. they reached out the the weekend of the game and said hey we want you guys to come enjoy the game with us um they also recognized the utsa two-time conference championship yes team on the field at halftime so they are buying into san antonio football not just brahma's football and that's That's a community all that being said if our good friends at the San Antonio Brahmas listen at all, or if you're in the XFL and you listen at all, or if you're a part of the Alamo Dome and listen at all, this guy right here, Philip, <laughs> he is a he has spent seven or eight years in the press box and he felt very weird being in the crowd with regular people. Not that I didn't enjoy it. I had a great regular time. People. I got to, regular people. Oh. I, got to, I got I made friends. I did the whole thing, but there was nowhere for me to write down notes. It would be weird to see a guy sitting there with a notepad uh, or his computer, his laptop out. You wouldn't let me bring the laptop in anyway to the Alamo Dome. What I'm saying is if you wanted to slide some media credentials some way, this guy right here would be more than willing to cover your, uh, your product in a way that he's much more accustomed to. And uh, and and hang out there in the press box. Leo's done it before. It's not his thing as much. Like you enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Not, it. It's funner to be in the stands it, for it, you. It, it would have been weird for me to 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 yell out on some of the plays in the press box because everybody's being real professional in there. You know, I, I say yeah. some very unprofessional things during a football game. And we'll just leave it at that. So And so here's yeah. what I found. As I said in the stands on Sunday, uh, yesterday, a big play would happen, and I wouldn't jump up and cheer. Like the guy next to me that I've been talking to the whole game stands up when we scored the touchdown, and he goes to give me a high five. And I'm like, oh, that's right. We can do that here because I'm so <laughs> used to being where there's a certain amount of decorum. And I was like, okay, it is what it is. Um, I. I didn't mean the regular people thing. Y'all are all getting butthurt. Oh, come on, come on. I'm sorry. I wouldn't even, I wanted, I wouldn't even want to be up there. Uh, who would I talk to? Who would I eat I would, with? Who would I, I have to with? I didn't mean to upset you, but um, I would I would gladly 
continue. Uh, I, I mean, I'm going to show up at the games. Like, I'm going to be at the games. I got hooked um, just like everybody else did. It was a blast. Um, it would just be a lot easier for me to do my job with this podcast um, if I were there. Um, plus, I we will- got a chance. Go ahead, Leo. Oh, I think you were about to say exactly what I was going to say. Plus, you got the room because I watched the post-game press conference with Heinz yes. Ward. And at the very end of the Alamo Dome's time with their press conference, with they swung around to the back of the room. And there's, what, 25 chairs set up? There's four yeah. people there. Yeah, you they, they the had room. a lot of room in there for, for more people. They, they certainly had the room in that that post-game uh, press conference room for, for another two or ten people. Which brings me to my next point. We did watch. Uh, Leo, I know you watched it. RC, did you get a chance to watch Heinz Ward's post-game press conference? You know, right after the game, I went straight to my bowling league. Do you know how tired I was? I could barely lift the ball. I was exhausted. No, I mean, so the answer is no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Leo, I want to talk to you a little bit about it. It's out there. If you go to the Instagram account for the Alamo Dome, you can watch the whole thing in its entirety. Um, nobody's hiding it. Nobody's trying to, to, um, I didn't like it, Leo. Um, I'm going to fall on the sword here. I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, people love Heinz Ward. I love Heinz Ward, but I'm going to tell you right now that the tone he struck in that particular post-game press conference was a very, oh, shucks, that stinks, but there'll be other games. It was just fun to be here and play. And look, you lost a game that you had in hand all the way up until the final two minutes of the game, and you lost it in just really terrible fashion. I need, as a fan, you to be a little gutted by that. Like, I need to know that you're as upset about that as 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 the coach, as I am as the fan. And that was not the tone. He may be, like, he may be just as torn up about that as we were in that moment. But it did not come across in that press conference. It was just very much a, oh, shucks, we lost that learning opportunity and we'll come back and there'll be other games. And it was just really fun to be here and, and be a part of this this whole thing. Did you get that feeling too, Leo? Yeah, no, that's the feeling I got from his press conference. And I understand what you're saying. We want that. They were who we thought they were. You know, we want, <laughs> we want some of that. And we let them off the hook. We, we, we want that fiery, you know, pissed off, you know, uh, coach that, that doesn't like to lose and, and didn't, didn't want to take it lightly. I think maybe being that w- there's no doubt in my mind that Heinz Ward is a, a, a top level competitor. Yes. Like, like he's a competitor. I'm not doubting that at all. So I think it was probably, probably was eating him up inside, but as being the head coach, it's his first time in that role. He wanted to be, you know, he wanted to give uh, uh, hats off to to uh, uh, the the uh, Battlehawks uh, uh, coach, and he wanted to he wanted to come across with a little bit of a, you know, a gracious, you know, have, taking the loss graciously mm-hmm. and also taking it in perspective um, that it's just the first game; it was a non conference game, um, you know, and there's nine more games as he put it, you know, and it's not the end of the world; it's not the last game. We get all that, and that's all very professional. But the city of San Antonio is fiery, and we like excitement. And 
and Heinz Ward, when, when you're watching this, because you, you're going to watch us, of course. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. When you watch yeah, this, yeah. It, it's okay. We, it's okay to, to, to say how you really feel. Yeah. Because this fan base is just going to get behind you on that. We're not going to judge you. We're going we're gonna to be right next to you, screaming Look, and yelling. We need a One little bit best. more passion from you. You know what we want? We don't want pop, but we want some passion. One of my favorite head coaches, uh, he's really becoming one of my favorite head coaches of all time at this point, is Jeff Trailer. I really like Jeff Trailer, mm. And I happen to have been in press conferences with Jeff, Jeff Trailer, And I know what he's like after a win, and he's all smiles. He's a very laid-back kind of guy, too. He doesn't get, um, he doesn't get super down or up about anything. Just, like, trust the process. Very almost Jason Garrett-like sometimes in the way he talks. I went to Dallas uh, Frisco last year and covered their bowl game. They got absolutely destroyed against San Diego State in a meaningless bowl game. It is the Smoothie King Bowl or whatever. He had he had 22 players that decided not to play in the game. Like he wasn't going to win this game. I did I was scared to ask the guy a question. Like he came into a press conference of a game that we all knew he was going to lose and he was bad. He was in a bad mood. I kind of need to see some of that from yeah. my head coach when you lose a game like this. Um, just, I, I don't, I don't know. Something about the tone just struck me wrong. I know he's a competitive guy. I know it's his first time as a head coach. I know he's learning his, his way around. Um, it's okay, coach. Show us a little bit of that disappointment. It's okay to be disappointed. We're disappointed. Yeah. We kind of want to see that in you too. Uh, we want and some know nasty. That you let one slip away. Yeah. Yeah. We want some nasty. It's, it, that's okay. We'll get behind that. We don't want to lose. We don't like losing, especially in La Casa. No, like, we don't. no. like that. The that is going to come off. out. You don't come in come and out. disrespect our house. That's La Casa. And I will so, say going, going back to Paul, he had mentioned that there were two players from UTSA and that he actually wanted us to see if we could reach out and have a mom to mom with those players. Cause he gotcha. says, the success of the XFL is we all have to work together. One of them guys, one of them Houston guys that's a UTSA guy is a guy I really love. I wish we'd have gotten him. Um, I like, I love Parker Romo. I know he missed one kick, but I love the fact that a Romo is still scoring points on the football field in Texas. <laughs> there that's you the way go. it should be. That's the way it should always be. Somebody said, hey, a Romo is playing football in Texas in February. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we always that's the dream baby um i like parker romo but man if we could have gotten hunter Duplessis, and he's over there with houston roughnecks and uh but i like that guy i'm surprised that guy is not on an nfl roster i really am he's a good solid kicker might be uh, soon yeah mm -hmm. absolutely and the other guy so, was uh charles wiley yes another great guy another great defensive player just excellent right he's a He's an outside linebacker, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charles Wiley, good player. Really good player. Um, not surprising at all that he's on a uh, Wade Phillips defense because he fits that kind of mold very much. And I don't want to I don't want to um, short our, our Brahma's players, but I was going to say uh, Parker Romo could very well be on an NFL roster soon. Too. Yes, he's, he could. He's a good yeah. kicker. He, he did a very good. He did have the one miss, but I mean, overall, I mean, he had a 48 yard garter like right down the middle at one point yes yeah good yeah no 
No worries. And I've always been surprised that Nick Rose, who kicked for the commanders, right. um, has never wound up in the NFL. Like he was money in the XFL. And it's just at the kicking level, it's not that different a game. It's the same thing. How, only, how is Nick Rose not getting a kick, getting there, a job as a kicker? There's only 32 jobs in the NFL. That's why I mean, you don't keep true. a backup kicker and you don't keep a kicker on your very rarely do you keep a kicker on your practice squad. So for sure, outside those 32 guys, you're on the outside looking in. So next week uh, we go to Orlando. We play Orlando in week two. That game is on Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern. That would be 3 p.m. here. And I got to tell you, uh, it's a 10-game season. You're already 0-1, and this is a division game. I don't want to sound like a drama queen here, or drama king, I guess. Is that the thing? Um, but this is a must-win game. Like, you've got to even your record here. You, you need this win. Like, you need to beat Orlando. Now, that being said, I think you beat Orlando. I like our chances. Going from what we saw against Houston – I really do like our chances. Uh, hopefully they don't make too many strides compared to what we saw this uh, on Saturday uh, over there on, on, under coach Buckley. But uh, yeah, I think, at, I think the Brahmas at this point are a better team. They'll be at home, but they've got quarterback issues already. They've already got a quarterback controversy in Orlando. It's either going to be uh, Paxton Lynch who did not, he looked like Paxton Lynch, you know, Leo, you remember. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> he looked just like Paxton Lynch and it, 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 I am so excited. Like one of the best things that ever happened to the Dallas Cowboys franchise, Leo was your Broncos trading up in the first round that year yes. to grab Paxton Lynch before we could get him because they were all sold that Paxton Lynch was going to be the next quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And you may not like Dak Romo or Dak, Dak Romo, yeah, that's what we have to call him from now on. You may not like Dak Prescott, but I guarantee you he's a dang lot better than Paxton Lynch, and that's who you almost ended up with in that same draft. Um, yep. That so, very well could have happened. No, Who knows where Dak Prescott would be right now because he had uh, Jerry Jones wanted Paxton Lynch, and unfortunately so did Denver. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Steve Canto, Paxton Lynch is terrible. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let's talk about this because me and you have talked about this, Leo, offline. Uh, Brian Winslow, thoughts on what Wade said about Buckley on the hot mic. So if you missed it, Wade Phillips near the end of the game when the game was decided, like it was over. uh, He's talking with one of his assistant coaches as they kick off the ball to Orlando. And he says they just need to run the ball. And his assistant says something to the effect of, yeah, but they won't. He wants to try to get down the field and score. And Wade Phillips says, yeah, because he's stupid. He's not a real coach. Ouch. Man. Not nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wade. Phillips obviously didn't realize his mic was hot. And that's not excusing what he said. But I mean, because even how you put it very nicely on what he said, like, well, he just needed to run the ball. It was more of if, if it was me, I'd run the ball so we could get the bleep out of here is what it was except he didn't say bleep (laughs) and (laughs) and yeah would be one of those kind of guys that would like bleep himself like he's that he's that kind of guy yeah yeah true but uh yeah that that was uh that that was unfortunate and and the broadcaster said oh that's gonna be 
uh, whiteboard material oh, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no doubt uh, if anybody that watched that coach's round table, you know, that Terrell Buckley has a chip on his shoulder for that very same reason mm-hmm. that he thinks yep. he had been overlooked and not given an opportunity to be a head coach when he thought he was deserving of one previously, he'd been kind of locked in as that he's a DB guy and not a head coach. And then it's Wade Phillips common. goes and, and says that on a broadcast on national television, confirming at least in his mind, right. what Terrell Buckley says is not true. And, and he's upset about, um, I don't know if there's going to be another coach's round table after that, or if it'll, if they do do one, is it going to be, is it going to be with all the coaches from the South? Or are they going to mix it up a bit? Or I don't know. It might get very Dicey. interesting because yeah, I don't think Terrell Buckley took to that very kindly once he heard it. I can't it. imagine that I'm he did. I'm certain he didn't. What no. I was surprised, what, what, what hurt me, what hurt my heart in that moment. Cause I'm, I, I empathize with guys. I watched those two same men minutes after that conversation went out on live air. One of them knows he says it, but doesn't know it went out on live air. The other one doesn't know that he says it. And they meet at center field, share some encouraging words with each other and a hug. And I'm like, Terrell Buckley just walked back to the locker room. And when he got back there, somebody said, you need to hear this. Yeah. Um, Look, coaches, coaches don't have to like each other. That's not a requirement. But and- Philip, one thing to take in consideration, I'm sorry to interrupt your thought, but as you're saying this, take into consideration, coaches don't normally have to see each other every day as they're right. preparing for the next week. With the setup here in the XFL with the hub in Arlington, <laughs> those guys are seeing each other today and tomorrow and Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, probably that's going to be tough. Different. And breakfast. And I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish your thought, but I just wanted to say that's that's big. And let's be honest. Some of the sentiment behind what Wade Phillips was saying is th- you could make the case that some of that is true. Like at some point you do have to realize that, hey, we got to pack up and go home and get get right for next week. We don't need to score another touchdown as good as, as, as much as we want to. Uh, and you learn that through years and years of coaching. And Wade Phillips has been that guy before that wanted to score that touchdown. And he has learned that that doesn't really help. That doesn't make you feel get, any better. Getting beat 31 to 19 doesn't feel any better than 31 to 12 or whatever it was. That doesn't fix anything. And Wade knows that. He's been there. And so some of the sentiment of what Wade was saying was true. And I'm convinced that Wade Phillips, of all people, if he had thought about the fact that his mic on his head was live, he would have he would have said that differently or not said it at all. Oh, no doubt. Sure. I don't think Wade Phillips is the kind of guy that wants to upset people. He's he's a very likable guy. And I'm I'm almost a hundred percent certain that he has already had a conversation with Terrell Buckley to say. That's on me. I'm sorry I said that. Now, I don't know if Terrell Buckley's going to accept that. He probably won't. We've seen how he gets upset um, that he's not thought of as a real coach, and that's going to sting. That's going to sting a lot. What I'm glad I have not seen, and I almost dare not to put this out on the air because I don't want this to become a storyline, is the old white guy made a comment about the new black coach. 
I'm glad I haven't seen any of that. If I haven't seen it and it's been out there, please don't forward it to me on Twitter or on Facebook. Like, I don't want to see it because that's not, that's not part of this storyline. I truly don't believe that's an issue. I think Wade is saying, I've been a coach and I know we need to get out of here and make sure all our guys are healthy and just get on the bus and move on to the next game. It doesn't mean, I don't think it means anything to him that Terrell Buckley's a black guy. And I'm glad that that story hasn't gotten these legs that I kind of thought there was a chance in 2023 that it could get um, of, oh, the old white guy is, uh, you know, throwing shade at the young black coach or the the, the new black coach. Um, I'm glad that's not a case. Brian Winsloff says that the reason he's hearing the reason that Rod Woodson wasn't on their round table is because he doesn't like Wade. And that goes back years. Only thing that's weird about that, though, Brian, is their round table was the North. So Wade wouldn't have been part of that anyway. Um, but that's entirely possible. I had not heard that. And look, everybody doesn't have to like everybody just to work together. You don't, I don't like everybody I work with. I do now I'm in a job where I do like all, all the, all the people I work with, but I've been in those places before where I don't like everybody I work with. You don't have to, that's not a thing. We like each other. I mean, well, we're yeah. not really working because we don't get paid. <laughs> and we don't need to. Work would imply, yeah, getting compensated. <laughs> so we're going to go play Orlando. I really hope that we can uh, even our score, uh, even our record. Where is the watch party? Because you guys that are in San Antonio are going to gather I together and watch the game together. Where's that at, RC? All right. So the event is being sponsored by our favorite Steve Ocanto. Um, and we're going to be at the Hangar Pub. The address is 12232 Nacogdoches Road. And so what they're expecting to be there at 2 o'clock on Sunday. And it says, come on, come all. Come on, the Brahma family, as we take on the Orlando Guardians. We want uh, to see you as we party hard. Uh, there will be great drink specials. The food is delicious. We are hoping for branded merchandise. That's the key thing I like. So I'm definitely going. Anybody else going? I'll be there. What time is the kickoff for the game that day? Four. Uh, three. I'm sorry. Three. Four o'clock. And then, three, yeah. o'clock. So the yeah. party's at two. Or and the party two. starts an hour earlier at two. So yeah. yeah, I'll definitely be there. And I hope for branded merchandise. Sweet. I really like that gray and yellow trucker hat that I saw a lot of people wearing at the Dome. By the time I made it to the merch area, they were they were sold out. But those hats were gone. But that was a cool looking hat. Yeah, it was Maybe that'll be hat. there. Yeah, maybe so. Anybody from uh, the Brahmas is listening? Hey, speaking of, if the Brahmas are listening, can you create some sort of collared shirt that I can have? You know, something with a Brahma logo up on the up on the chest of it that I can wear to work because I don't wear t-shirts to work right now. Um, but I can definitely wear a, a polo. polo shirt or a fishing shirt. Fishing shirt would be the way to go. Um, but I need something with a collar on it so that I can rep the Brahmas at work. Um, that'd be great. I know you guys are listening and I know you're already working on my media credentials that we just talked about. If you could get, uh, Michael Wayne Davis says, I just want a Jersey. Oh, Jersey. <laughs> uh, don't hold your breath, Michael. I think you need to try out. If you want a Jersey at this point, I think you, you need to try, try out. <laughs> Well, maybe if the attendance keeps, you know, on the rise after a couple of games, um, those may those may become available. 
Renee checking in on Facebook says, uh, hey, Steve, is there going to be food there? It says delicious um, food on the on the invite. So I'm going with that. So uh, not it won't just be food, free food. Delicious food. Yeah, but it won't be free food just to make that clear. It's, right. it's, it's not like a potluck type of event where people are bringing stuff, you know, in um, it, it, it'll be served there by the by the venue. But from what I understand, the, the food is pretty good. Right. It's like a bar restaurant kind of thing. I don't know if kids are invited. Um, I think someone may call or maybe I can follow up on that. And the other reason I know that is I had, we had a graduation party, uh, graduation party for Francesca. And it was um, one of those restaurant bars. And some places you had to be 21, even with the parent to walk in. So that's, I'll definitely get that information and I'll put it out on the Brahma Mama page. Um, again, I want to thank everybody, every Brahma Mama that came out and supported us. We collected a whole trunk full of food. We had a great guacamole um, uh, turnout. And so no Brahma juice for next game, I can tell you that. Unless we make it alcoholic. Yeah, but then we have to <laughs> check for ID and I'm not going to do that. you have to be worried I, about that stuff, yeah. yeah. Things have Steve changed. Cantu says, yes, bring your kids. All it's right, bring your friendly. rug rat. There you go. There you go. Uh, Michael Wayne Davis says, as a Cowboys fan, I'm about to go buy a Steelers 86 jersey, but I don't want to sold myself like that. Michael Wayne Davis, you did not hear this on the Smoking Guns podcast, but if you do a little bit of Googling, you will find someone that sells on Etsy a Brahma style jersey that says San Antonio Brahma's on it and is a number 86 uh, Ward jersey. It's out there. It's on Etsy. It exists. I've seen it. The only killer on it is because it's Etsy, it's going to take some time to get to you. But I think you might be able to get it here by the next game. So if you're really looking forward to that and you're just not willing to wait on the league anymore, I think a Google search on Etsy might fit the bill for you. And you might be able to wear a Ward jersey in the proper colors without it being one of those nasty old Steelers jerseys. I just felt your your media credentials pulled off the table. <laughs> and I there felt they the go. I'll, in the floor. And it's gone. And it's gone. <laughs> and it's gone. We just had it and it went away. Uh I'm excited about going for it. Man, we saw really great football. Um, mm-hmm. We saw really great football, yeah. not just here at the Alamo Dome, uh, but up in Arlington. That game was awesome all the way down to the end. Uh, the game in Houston, while it wasn't uh, a close game like the other three, it was still a good football. Uh, it was good. Um, it, we saw decent football played. I've seen some folks that, like, my thoughts on the XFL are, these guys obviously aren't in the NFL. We yeah, knew we knew that. If you checked <laughs> in on this, yeah. thinking you were going to get NFL talent on the field, like some of these guys will be in the NFL, but a some great of them majority have been, of them, though. Right. Yes. Like so, Jared has been in the NFL. He was playing with the um, Las Vegas Raiders. Brian yeah. Winsloff is really, really wanting us to talk about this. He keeps mentioning it. I don't know why the national TV commercial for XFL merchandise uh, says jerseys, but they don't sell them because they don't, because they don't have a deal in place, because they can't find the price point they want, because they are 
stuck over in China in boxes somewhere and haven't gotten them shipped here yet? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I know that it was on the commercial. I know that the plan was for jerseys because they sent us all an email that said, hey, yeah. sign up for pre-sales on jerseys, but then they never pre-sold them. Maybe enough I, people didn't sign up for it, and that was their kind of test market. Maybe so. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure why it's in the commercial and they don't have them, but I will tell you that, and we've said this a couple of times, a couple shows in a row now, I'm not worried about it. Um, a jersey would be nice, and I would love that, and sure, that's great, but I'd rather have a season two than a jersey. And if that's if that's the decision to be made, there is no decision to be made to me. Like, do what they need to do to get to season two and bring me a jersey in season two. Um, don't overspend or overextend yourself just to get me a jersey of a league that's going to fall apart in season one. I don't want it if that's what it's going to mean. And I don't know that that's the case. But that's what I've got to assume because I've got jerseys for other leagues that fell apart and I don't have a jersey here. And Brian is such an optimist about this. We've talked about this on some other shows. He says season two is in the books. No worries. Brian, I heard that exact same rhetoric back in 2019 about the San Antonio Commanders. I heard it from the league. I heard it from pundits all over sports talk radio. I heard it directly from team presidents and yes. people in the league, like from their mouth to my ears. And that wasn't true. So nothing is in the books until it happens. I'll, I'll, it's not there. I'll say this. Danny Garcia has said over and over and over again, that this is a long-term thing. She's mentioned like three to five years or something and understanding that there could be losses. And you know what? Yeah. Danny Garcia is a lot more of a believable person than uh, Charlie Ebersol was. <laughs> yes, if you ask true. me to, if you put two people in front and, 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 and say, who are you going to choose? Who are you going to trust more? I will 100% choose Danny. Danny Garcia. But here's the thing. Charlie Ebersol lied and said he had the resources that he didn't have. Right. But he yep. was dependent on finding someone and he thought he found someone in Tom Dundon. Okay. Danny Garcia and, and Dwayne Johnson have found that somebody in Redbird financial. I can't I forget the guy's name, the owner, the third owner of the league. Cardinal. Yes. But what happens if Redbird capital for whatever reason looks at it, just like Tom Dundon did and starts looking at the red and the black on the ledger and starts saying, you know what? This is just too much red for me from a business. Cause that's a businessman, hundred mm-hmm. percent from a business standpoint. I can no longer, I can't, I can no longer do this. Supported. And he pulls out. Then what's going to happen. Can Danny Garcia and, and Dwayne, would they want to continue doing this and, t- and continue taking those, those losses till they get to the point where there's no more red on the ledger and they're all in the black. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're that passionate about it that they will, look, but who, who look, knows? We're not all, we're not we all get, doom and gloom about this. We're just no. saying nothing is guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. Nothing. Buy your I, merchandise, buy your tickets, get out there, put your money in it, put your passion in it, be excited about it, do all of those things because that's the only thing we can do. Right. to ensure that it goes forward. That's all we can do. But I can tell you from experience that you can do all you can do as fans 
and it can still fall out from under you. We've been down that road before, and I'm just realistic at this point. And I say, hey, it all sounds good. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here because I got burned yeah. once before. But, right. you know, it all it takes is for one of those three to decide to back to to back away from it. And then who knows what happens? And and we don't think that's going to happen. We're definitely optimistic as well, Brian. But realistically, you never know. You just don't know. Brian says Disney wasn't a part of the AAF. And that's true. They don't make those kind of deals. Uh, Disney's thing is a write-off thing, by the way. Uh, if they lose money on this, they'll just write it off and it's it's over. But I will say this. The reason that I brought up your Disney comment is great. Um, the ESPN, part, ESPN Plus part of this deal is amazing. Yes. The fact that I can go, I don't have to find some YouTube stream of the game. That's what we had to do back in the AAF days is you had to go go find a, a, a YouTube stream that didn't get shut down to watch the games after they happen. As soon as the game is over, it's on ESPN plus and I can watch it again. If I need to, um, I don't even have to make sure my DVR is set to record. If I'm missing a game, I know I'm going to be able to watch it later that night, which is what I did with the DC game, at least the last two minutes of it. That's great. The ESPN plus side of this thing is spectacular. Um, I was very excited in the USFL last year that you could do that with Peacock. You could mm -hmm. go and watch the games on delay if you needed to. And they ported that right over and I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, We're you know, excited. Go ahead. One thing that I forgot to say was that um, I don't know how many season ticket holders received an email about their fan experience. I know I received an email to come after the game to section 101, which I was already in, but I wasn't supposed to be. Um, I mean, before that, I got the invite. And then I was able to go after the game onto the field and take pictures. And I heard some people had that experience. They got an email. They were able to go at 12 before the game started to watch the team kind of work out. So I do like that, that um, the XFL is listening, that we do like that fan interaction. Just to wrap this whole conversation up about the XFL in season two, Brian Winsloff says, I'm a person that believes the future is bright. That's how I personally look on life. Here's what I want you to understand, Brian, and everybody that I've talked to about this online over the past week where I've shared these same thoughts and I've been told you're being entirely too negative. It's not a negative thing. It's a realistic thing. I went through it. I was there. I got burned and I got, uh, I got very bitter about what happened with the AF bitter enough that I wasn't going to get involved in another one of these things. If it came along, I've heard enough now that I'm confident that this thing has the ability to sustain, but I am always going to, uh, until we get to the end of season one, I am always going to be waiting for the rug to get pulled out from under us because I wasn't ready for that. And it happened in the AF. I thought I was heard. I was told all of the right things. And I mm -hmm. thought we were good. So it's not a negative thing. I'm not being, I, I'm very positive. I think this looks very good. Otherwise I wouldn't be here at all, but yeah. I am realistic. And, and I do know that the, the rug can get pulled out from under you in a second. And the reason we need to realize that and understand that is we need to know that we have to buy in completely. We have to do everything we can because 
there does have to be on a, ret- a return on the investment on in some way. And the only thing we can do is show up to the games, show up to uh, the the uh, box office, um, buy your merchandise, be excited about it, share it on social media, all of those things that we call all the time for you guys to do because that's the only thing we can do uh, yeah. to ensure a future. And I, I have to say, all the fans in San Antonio feel that way. The the supportive fans feel exactly the way Philip does right now because we have gone through that and felt it personally and been burned in mm-hmm. the past. And it didn't just start with the AAF. It's happened, you know, it's happened multiple times here in San Antonio. And so as a fan base, we all feel that hesitancy. And it's it's not it's not necessarily being negative. It's just that we've been through this before. But yet we're still. You know, we're, we're still, still big supporters. I mean, look, we're doing a whole show and, and we've said time and time again, we don't get paid to do this. We're doing this as a pra- mm-hmm. passion project. So if that doesn't show positivity, I don't know what would at what level, yeah. you know, what, what do we have to do to show the positivity? It's we have the positivity, but it's a careful positivity just because we've been there, done that, been through it personally, been stunned. And everyone that I've talked to in San Antonio even the diehard fans, they all feel that same way. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're here to support because we know we have to play our part to make this thing work. But we all have this understanding that at any moments, at any given moment, something could happen that would take it all away because it's happened time and time and time again. And it's not us just, it's not really having a negative outlook. It's more of an experience. And so we're just doing our part to keep that from happening, but we all understand that it could, it's a possibility. Yeah. So all that aside, like that sounds like doom and gloom. It's really not. No, it's not. We are really positive and we're excited about it and we want it to succeed and we hope it will succeed and we believe it will succeed. Look, I'm not spending $30 on t-shirts. I don't do it. I just don't do it. And my wife, uh, I walked in the door last night and I had my t-shirt and she just shook her head because she knows I'm spending money on this thing. Um, I got commander's t-shirts. I don't even take out a closet anymore. I'm not going to spend $30 if I don't think that this thing has legs. I do. Um, but I am realistic enough to know that that enjoy the time we've got and pray for season two. And if there's little things that make the difference, I'm okay with not getting a jersey or not, uh, you know, not having some of those things that we've gotten in some of the future, some of the past things because they're doing things different. We're going to play Orlando in six days and we're going to be at Orlando in six. Can't days. wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't get to be there in person unless you're one of those really, really, really awesome fans that are going to go. Brian's going to be there. Brian will be there. Yeah. yeah, But Brian's in, in Florida. I don't know. <laughs> those folks that are going from San Antonio to Orlando, more power to you. I love right. you guys. Um, Brian, I love that you're going to be there and you're going to be cheering on the Brahmas. I hope you mm-hmm. have some gear, even if you don't have a Jersey yet. Um, I hope you have some gear to uh, represent in the crowd and at the tailgate that you are a Brahmas fan. Uh, Honestly, as I look at the game with football eyes and I see what we put on the field and I see what they put on the field in week one, if we keep our head together and we play the game the way we played the game for 58 minutes, for 60 minutes, 
I see a win. Like I don't I don't mm-hmm. think that there's anything Orlando can do about it. Um, but that's why we play the games because you have to do you have to do all of the things, and hopefully mm-hmm. Heinz Ward can get this team doing all the right things. We can be one and one as we come back to Houston and uh, head into TDEC U Stadium and uh, and take on the Roughnecks. If we're one and one and they're two and zero, oh, because uh, I think they beat or I think they beat Arlington this week uh, as well. If we go in one and one and they're uh, two and zero, oh, and we can make them two and one, and we can be two and one, and 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 pull ourselves even with them. I'm so excited to be at that game. I'm so excited to, if that's the way all that works out, uh, because that'll be for the lead in the division. And hey, I know it sounds too early to start talking about standings. It's not. It's a no. ten week season. We got to get on the ball. We're lucky that the one game we've dropped so far was a non non uh, division game because it doesn't hurt us as bad. Uh, but we need to beat Orlando, and then we need to go into Houston and bring it all to oh son of a bum's team, and we're gonna do that. <laughs> I have confidence that... we're gonna win in Orlando, and then when we come down to Houston, that's gonna be a battle, and I, I can't wait to see that one. Uh, but I, I think we'll win that one too. I, I think I think Hines, Coach Hines, uh, learned a lot from this week, and mm-hmm. uh, I liked what I saw up until the, those last two minutes. So, like he says himself. Horns forward. We're moving forward, and things are going to be uh, much better in game two. Steve Cantu. Love Steve him. Uh, Brian we are asked, the- asked, I'm sorry. Ask Brian, if you could ask Nicole if she has a Brahma Mama shirt, because if she doesn't, I will send her one so she can wear it to the game in Orlando. Steve Cantu says, we are the unpaid promotional staff. We're the ones that'll talk about this. The XFL has more legs than the AF. Here we are talking about a week two and the players are still getting paid. <laughs> That's good. That's a good sign. Step ahead of the AAF, man. <laughs> Step ahead of the AAF. Um, one more thing as we wrap up the show, we have not talked about them much. We talked about them a little. San Antonio Gunslingers are still out there. They're still getting ready for the season. That's going to kick off on April 8th here in San Antonio against the Cobra uh commandos i almost called them the cobra commanders that's not right <laughs> no no they're not the carolina cobras a big game a game with a lot of storylines but in the meantime they're getting ready for the season and rc what are they doing this week to get ready this, for the season this weekend i was invited by april from the gunslingers to participate as a judge for the cheerleading tryouts Woo! second year in a row Very so cool. excited Very cool. The six shooters, six guns, six yep. shooters. That's six what they're shooters. called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have their tryouts and our own RC Woods is going to be a part of the judging panel for that because that's the way it should be. Um, right. There, There is no bigger cheerleader for the San Antonio Gunslingers or for the San Antonio Brahmas than RC Woods and all that she does for the team and for the fans around the team. Anybody that says anything negative about RC Woods, they need you need to send them to me. I'll set them straight because <laughs> um, she works tirelessly to make this thing go and to do special things for everybody. Even the stuff that you think is like, man, that's not my thing. She does a ton of things that I'm like, yeah, that's not my thing, but it's somebody's thing. And it's exciting that she's the one that's putting that together. Um, no better person to be a part of the judging panel for the gunslingers than RC Woods. And we're excited that she's going to be a part of that again. Uh, Renee checking in says you go RC. Pom-pom to pom-pom. 
I, I hope that's that's right. That's... So that's going on. We've got lots <laughs> to be excited about. We've got football in San Antonio. We had the whole the whole thing. It felt like old times. It felt like we were right it back did. in the thing that we loved yeah. so much. Uh, just a few years ago, we were back in the Alamo Dome. Uh, we had our own team again. And even when they fell a little short, um, it was just a blast. Like the fact that we didn't win the game, it is really just a minor, like I would have loved to have won the game. Like that would have been great, but it's such a, such a small part of the whole, the whole experience. Like, I don't, I disagree. The win, the win is a big part of it, but I, I guess, you know, if we can't win the game, I'll take everything else except the win, which is, I felt what we got. We got everything but the win. And so that sucks and it stings, but at least hey. we got all the other stuff too. So, Hey, we're not going to win every game. We're just not going to win every single game. Like that was I never was not- in the cards. Wait, what? I wasn't told this when we started this whole thing. We just weren't going to win every single game. I'm sorry, well, we're Leo. We're just going to lose one game. That was the That's one it. game that we lost out of the That's way. That's it. Nine and one. From here on out, we go. We run the lead. Okay. Um, No more losses. All the ways up. Well, when it comes to professional football, whether it's in the arena with the San Antonio Gunslingers or whether it's in the Alamo Dome, and we're not going to call it what Dirty calls it. I don't know if he's still checking in. Uh, But when we're in the Alamo Dome, the La La Casa with our San Antonio. Whether we're traveling out to Orlando or we're headed out to Houston or Arlington. Maybe the Gunslingers going up to Albany and Carolina. When it comes to football, professional football, we are learning every day that the 210 has got something to say. Bang, bang.